Welcome back, Martini Giant fans. This is episode number 76, which is Time Travel Part 4. We start with an all-time classic short film, well-known to anyone who's gone to film school, called La Jetée from 1962, directed by Chris Marker. A short film so important that it inspired none other than Terry Gilliam to remake the entire film in long form, in 1995 in a movie called 12 Monkeys, starring Brad Pitt and Bruce Willis. This in turn likely inspired young Ryan Johnson to cast Bruce Willis for his time travel films that's along the same lines as the other two that we just mentioned called Looper in 2012. So these three films are definitely connected and they definitely run in a loop, shall we say, pun intended. Uh, and I really enjoyed this. In fact, spoiler alert, I think we all really enjoyed this combination and at least to talk about it. But there's definitely a lot to discuss. So stay tuned for the three-hour episode that we tend to do when we talk about these films. I would like to remind people that uh, we are uh, available. Most of our podcasts now are actually on Twitch uh, when we put them out and we do them in front of an audience. And that has been really great and a lot of fun. We love talking in front of an audience because we actually get to chat with our audience a lot more and we would love to have you there. So if you would like to be part of that conversation, go to twitch.tv slash martini underscore giant. That is twitch.tv slash martini underscore giant and if you enjoy it and you would like to help support the channel go ahead and subscribe on twitch and that will basically help pay for our uh pay for us and for all the things that we're trying to do on martini giant and we'd love to do that if you don't want to necessarily subscribe to us on Twitch, but you sort of really like the idea of what Martini Giant has to offer, you can always buy merch from us on our store. It's uh, we basically just go to martinigiant.com and check out our link there. We have a threadless store that's available, and it's a lot of fun. Uh, and you guys are welcome to uh, buy things there. In fact, we've had several people that have bought things internationally, and uh, they all got delivered and it all worked well. So Threadless actually seems to do a really good job. And we have all kinds of random stuff there, including you know bath mats and shower curtains and whatever else is going on. So uh, you know, go ahead and uh, go to our store and support us there. We really appreciate it. But you don't have to do any of that if you don't want to, by the way. Uh, you can uh, you can still enjoy us talking about time travel films, La Jetée, Twelve Monkeys, and Looper. Enjoy. <laughs> um, uh, the, there's a there's a lot to discuss on this show. And I'm this is, what what number of time travel episode is this? We've done a bunch of them now. Three, three. I is think this three? is four. Four, fourth one. If we count, if we count um, Groundhog Day, this could be five. Yeah, I guess so. We can make that an honorary member of the Time Travel Club. Mm -hmm. I think that's fine. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's it, this has been our most uh, verdant uh, source of growth in uh, Martini Giant. I was I was shocked that there are so many great time travel films. Yes. Yeah, we knew that it was going to be. That. In fact, the other one that we were supposed to be on a big series was Woody Allen films, but that never really took off. Yeah, we'll get back to Woody. 
Let the bad press subside so people don't get mad that we talk about them. Yeah, <laughs> it's waiting so, like another 30 years for that. It it's, might, fine. it's fine. We'll see what happens. The old MG. <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. So um, I don't know how to even start on these because they're, they're all really good. I liked watching these movies all over again. Well, uh, I think we should start with the one that basically influenced the other two. Yeah. When was the first time you saw that film? That film being? La Jetée. La Jetée. Yes. 90s. Came out in what, 63? Something like that, 63. yeah. The cool thing for me is that in around 95, I saw it, but I actually went back in time and I saw it in a theater in Paris around 1966. <laughs> And I remember that because Rubber Soul had just come out by the Beatles. And I was like, oh, my God, two mind-blown experiences. And if yeah. you had not and then I went back, back in time, to Rubber Soul would not yeah. have come out. That's yes. Right. And then you yeah. saw yourself watching the movie as a child? Yeah, that's yeah. right. And you turned to the guy. <laughs> you went out, you, you ran outside. You tune his drums. And then I was like, wait a minute. And it was like, it's, yeah. Anyway, that's when I first saw it. What about you, Dan? Uh, I've, I, I first saw La Jete. La Jete was a, definitely uh, a big uh, movie for me in terms of my film education. That was one of the first things I, I think I saw it. I think I saw it on TV 38 in Boston. Wow. Uh, a long, long time. I was living on the Cape and we got uh, Channel 38 uh, with Dana Hersey in the movie loft. And I believe I saw it. I may be wrong. I believe I saw it there first. That's a, that's where I saw a number of, great movies for the first time that's where i saw i believe most of the exorcist for the first time french connection and they were just showing these things on tv i mean like totally uncut you know just right this layout do you remember and, when was this like public access television <laughs> this was it was very close to public it was local boston tv and it barely made it out to us on the cape and uh uh and dana hersey would get on talk about a guy with uh uh deep voice man he had like hello i'm dana hersey and tonight we're looking at man so like he took you to as the movie loft and he would introduce two movies and do a late night double feature uh but i i seem to remember that they did la jete as a as an in-between movie for one of the double features might be totally yeah. wrong hallucinating but i did see it early very early on in my movie watching life and it was a it definitely set off something for me and i've been uh I, I, bl I blame it heavily for many of my obsessions uh, today. So yeah, this is a great source film. In fact, like I, I have totally ripped this off many, many times in my own stuff, both in fiction and in movies, and I will continue to do so. I love, I love Lush Attack. Uh, yes, you have. Yes, I have. In, in fact, <laughs> in fact, I would say that your uh, your interstitial for Planet of the Apes is definitely heavily legendary. Heavily influenced. By <laughs> I would go so far as to say uh, V-Ray IRL has a strong legendary flavor. Uh, really? To, to the uh, yeah, to the uh, the car crash death scene at the end. Oh, it, right. It gets wanders into that landscape. It because, does. Yeah, it's pretty interesting. And uh, and uh, like I use like a lot of the photography. I mean, the photography is great in this movie, and it's all photography. Uh, and it led me down a sort of visual path because that also introduced me to because uh, 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 I, I like I got into a lot of photography from looking at this movie. And because I saw like it was like Robert Frank and other people oh, yeah. in, in this in that ballpark I was exposed to because I was looking up stuff to do with Lush Attack. 
and uh and it really like you can see that in my paintings you can see that in all, like it's whole like it started a whole chain of events which is pretty funny because that's what the movie's about you know it's like this 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 single chain event of events that triggers this entire wave of events uh and that definitely happened for me from this from this single picture so all right it's very very good this is very good, and I want to get into it. And But first, before we really get started, I want to uh, obviously welcome Alan Schneller to our, our show. And we have several new listeners or watchers. Excellent. Uh, I'm excited to see that. Equiluv. 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 McMonkey Man has joined us McMonkey again. McMonkey Man is definitely not a, not a new user, but he is yeah. here. And Rich Carlson is here. And... I know a Rich Carlson, who I'm I assuming is well. the same person. I'm assuming it's the same person. <laughs> and then Haas0312 is also... I also have it on... Uh, I have a hint that there may be a, a former DD-ish person who may be joining us today. Yes. I don't know if he's hiding under a pseudonym or not, but he will be. He could be here today. I can just say that he and I both had a passion for fishing. Um, <laughs> that is Some interesting thing things. Yes. That uh, definitely can do. That's nice. Uh, so, but welcome everyone to the show and uh, welcome to this. Uh, those of you to, who are new to Twitch or new to our Twitch, uh, this is what we can sit here for about three hours. You guys can be part of the conversation. Feel free to chat. We love chats, love engagements. Uh, also, if you'd like to subscribe to us and support our channel, there are several ways you can do it. When you can go ahead, go right ahead and subscribe. But if you are a Amazon uh, subscriber, uh, I believe you can uh, once a month you can give out a free subscription to someone where you it comes as part of your prime uh, but uh, and we will get uh, a subscriber subscription out of you for one month, which is great uh, and it doesn't cost you anything, but it helps pay for our channel, which is even better even nicer. Yeah. We're all about offsetting costs here at my team. That's right. We do have <laughs> we do have some expenses, uh, obviously, to run those. This is not this is not like CG Garage where like Vlado's flipping the bill for this. <laughs> so uh, it's a little bit different. But anyway, uh, so uh, okay, La Jote. Let's get into this one. Oh, can we can we mention all three films that we're talking about today? Yes, we are doing. Okay. We're oh, several films we're doing. We're doing La Jote, followed by Twelve Monkeys, followed by Looper. Followed by La Jete, followed by yes. Twelve Monkeys, followed by Looper, followed by La Jete. So, uh, uh, so La Jete, the first time that I saw it was actually at Rice University, and I don't remember. Um, I don't remember exactly if I saw it as part of a festival thing there that they were doing, or if it was during my film because I did I did a film history class. It probably was my film history class. Huh. Um, uh, so it's, it's, uh, first time I saw it, I was like, okay, it's interesting. First of all, the film is 29 minutes long. Is that right? Yeah. Yep. Yep. And there's two versions. There's a French and an English version, which are slightly different. Slightly different. Mm -hmm. Right. I watched the English version mm -hmm. recently, but I also watched the French version. Now it's not, so when you say slightly different, it's not like they dubbed over the voice. It's a slightly different edit and a different voice. Like right? the... Yeah, the because uh, there's a there's the the French version like that's he uh, uh, the filmmaker uh, went out of his way to say like I don't want it to be a direct translation like French carries a different meaning anyway so like I'm just gonna do 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 it in French or sort of rewrite it in French and then rewrite it in English okay. so yeah, like they maintain the same tone and flavor but I'm not stuck with like you know 
translating things directly. And right. so the uh, so like it would be difficult for me to uh, tell you what the differences are, but I would say that if someone speaks both French and English, you will. Uh, I'm told that you will see it. You will hear a different, a, a slightly different uh, iteration of the story. Is the actual edit picture edit? I believe the picture actually the picture edit is slightly different because there is two versions on Criterion. I have only yes. watched the English one recently. I will I will double check this. I think they are I think they are slightly different. Okay. Um, and the uh, and I will definitely say that because uh, I saw it first in French, and for this show I watched it in English. I'd never seen the English version before. That's uh, right, because I said I saw it in French the first time, and I never right. seen the English version. Right. And uh, and the I would say the French version is the better one because it there is something about French that carries a particular romance to the story that the English story. Like felt a little more mechanical to me. The the, the voice, the voice of the American one or the English one, mm -hmm. definitely felt uh, uh, distant in yeah. some ways. Yep. Like, on uh, the American and the English yeah. one. And the English one, yeah. It's, it's like it was sort of like the when you hear someone uh, who speaks fluent French speaking in French about a romantic story, like it all seems to plug together in my mind. And maybe that's right. just my. There was also some maybe, but uh, there's also there's something about him. I he felt in love in yeah. the French version more than he felt in love in the American version. Right, I totally agree with you, and I think because like the the the, the story feels more sci-fi in English. Yes. And, and dreamier in French. Uh, yes, yeah, there I you go. That, That's I a great say, way to put it. I would I would say it's it, it's an important thing for this to feel dreamy, and uh, it loses a little tiny bit in, in that translation or in that re remake, his own remake that he made for, for. Now is he English American? I don't know very much about his him, name. Actually. Is what? Uh, Chris Marker. Chris Marker. Chris Marker. Now, I don't think he's French. Let's no. see. I look it up, but I worked when I first um, moved to Los Angeles in the late '90s. I, you guys remember I worked in that film lab, right? Program. There was a guy it, called Title House. There Title was House. a there was a guy. It was Melrose Corner. There was a guy who worked in the lab as one of those amazing kind of optical guys, and he was actually transferring all the original films for him. Oh wow, that's crazy. And he gave me a DVD of some of the stuff, and he would do it in his off hours. Didn't he also do something else? That you mentioned that guy before. Didn't he do something? He's done a lot of other things. And but he was, was like uh, some other famous filmmaker he knew as well. He was good friends with. Who? The guy in the lab at, at oh, Metal House. Oh, the Ramies. The Ramies, yes. Yeah, because yes, Ramies' brother used to come, and we would work on his videos. Oh yeah, like the Ra Sam Ramies' youngest Sam brother. Ramey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who always is in the movies as like, yeah. you know, the the goofy guy. That's right, the dorky so Ramy. Yeah, <laughs> and he was a super nice guy, and he would come by, yeah. and he would Ramey. tell stories. Yeah, and Ted he would Ramey. tell stories about his brother. I told you that the brother, um, you know, had that episode with uh, Marlon Brando's plumber. Mm. Right. 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 <laughs> which is crazy. A, that's, that's the name of a novel if I've ever heard one. I know. Marlon Brando's plumber. God, just Who's going next to door like... to live next door to uh, uh, Jack Nicholson, Warren, right? And Warren Beatty. Yeah. Warren three Beatty. houses on the lot. God damn it! Can you imagine that? And he's God the one that told me it. about the 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 McDonald's over the wall. 
Yeah, that's the oh, one. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's good. <laughs> Tell the story again. Tell the story again. Yep. <laughs> the, yeah, this the literally um, Ted told the story that his brother he was he was up on Mulholland or still duh, I don't know uh, a house on Mulholland close to like literally across the street the entrance way for the three houses that fork out which are Beatty Nicholson and Brando and <laughs> this is in the nineties but I don't know who's in the middle and who's in the right and left. And he was working in the Sam Raimi's kitchen, fixing something. He's like, hey, can I tell you a story? And he's like, sure. And he literally, he's like, you know, I was working for over at the Brando's for Marlon Brando. And he basically was like, I had to go get parts and stuff. He's like, I'll go with you. And so he literally went As with him to like, yeah. And they went to a plumbing supply place in the valley and he's like, gets out of the truck and he's walking through the aisles. Like, what is this for? He's like, well, that's for this. And and everyone's kind of looking. I was like, God, that guy looks like Brandon. Marlon Brando. <laughs> and, and he's, he's like, just thumbing through the valves and the, this. That's and right. The and then he's like, I'd like to do this again. Maybe you could pick me up. And the guy was like, I don't know, which is crazy. I would have said, yeah. Right? <laughs> yes. This is my new assistant. He's in training. His name is Marlon Brando. But the stories, that, <laughs> the other story. Hey, well, I heard a lot of different stories, but the, the other was that they were trying to get Brando to, to lose weight, mm -hmm. and so he was like, he had an assistant, and he would just send his assistant out to McDonald's down, you know, on Hollywood on Sunset, mm -hmm. and he would buy a shit ton of burgers and bring them back, and like a bag that said, you know, library or something. Right. And he would go to the wall, a property line behind trees and eat like, you know, Big Macs. And, <laughs> and then he would throw the wrappers over into Jack Nicholson's side. And finally, Nicholson came by with a huge garbage bag full of wrappers. He said, you can't drop this on my property. And, like, and, and all the maids in Martin's house was like, oh, so disappointed because he broke his, <laughs> his pledge of trying to lose weight. <laughs> but just the imagery of him like eating hamburgers but that was a fun place man i met the kookiest that's where i met like um tommy chong you know and like right. it, all these it was just and uh dwight yoakam everybody would these crazy people would come by it was a lot you know when you just moved it was like it was cool but it was you were learning something too but man those optical guys that's but chris marker and that's when I, I remember, I was like, God, I saw La He's like, no, there's other things. And he, I still have the DVD he gave me of like all these obscure films he did. And I will dig it up, guys. Right. Um, well, I, it, oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, he gave me just a DVD at the time hmm. of like all the uh, MP, not MP3s, but dot .move files. Mm -hmm. Of Perfect. marker experimental films. Yeah, yeah. No, because this is like uh, what, what the he did Sans Soleil, I think, and a couple of famous experimental things. Um, and in the 70s, by the way, he did a whole series of Captain Morgan rum commercials. Yeah, it's the best. Uh, the thing is, like, you, like I, you laugh. Uh, one of my very favorite filmmakers is Errol Morris. And Errol Morris did the greatest series of uh, Miller High Life ads that you could ever want to watch. There's like 30 of them. He did. He did them like all in a, like a week and a half. And they're absolutely, I'll, I'll try and find a link and put it in chat. You will never see a funnier ad than any of Errol Morris's Miller High Life. So if Chris Marker were to take on uh, any 
uh, alcohol-related ad, I would have I would have appreciated this just as well as I do Le Chate. <laughs> Two of my favorite interests coming together at once. Time yeah. travel and lots of booze. McMunkey <laughs> Man says, I believe he was referring to a band name called Brando's Plumbing. Right. <laughs> yes, I think that's true. Uh, um, and also, uh, just say, I looked up Chris Marker, and uh, it turns out that he is French, but he had changed his name from... Christian, Christian Francois Bouche Villeneuve. So that is wow. as, Fran as French as it gets. <laughs> mm -hmm. So yes, that is uh, Christian Frank Villeneuve mouth. Villeneuve. <laughs> Villeneuve. We keep uh, saying like, Villeneuve, but it's Villeneuve. Villeneuve. Which means yeah. new city. New, literally. Then, there you are, new city. Huh. And we can yeah. also briefly mention... Ville is city, Neuve yeah. is new. So is new. Uh, Mr. Villeneuve's new movie uh, just premiered at uh, uh, what TIFF, I think. By the way, the Dunes, the Dunes, La, La Dune, La Dunes, and <laughs> La Dunes. <laughs> uh, and the reviews are uh, quite wild, like super, super crazy, enthusiastic, wild. Okay, reviews. well, I'm excited. I'm excited to talk about it at some point when we go see it or whatever we do. Tangentially but... related via Chris Marker's lesson. That's via Chris Farker's uh, uh, original birth name, shall yes. we say. That's as much as we're going to say about Dune. It is okay. slightly related to this podcast. Now, so this film, I saw that, that thing and I was like, okay, so this, first of all, let's talk about just the logistics of this film. For those of you who have not seen uh, La Jete, which may be several people, it's not necessarily something that comes it's up as a hot often. ticket. Yeah, it's not something that comes up as, as often as like The Matrix or Star Wars. Right. It's But it, it is a thing that is an important part of filmmaking history, for sure. The fact is, a film like that done in 1963 somehow became an important part of filmmaking history. And does that. But if someone made a film like that today, it would barely make any impact on YouTube. It would this yeah, would have it this would be have a to be PBS like yeah. at one in the morning. No, it would be like, oh, someone made a, a little story with uh, photographs. Right. It would be on YouTube, <laughs> right? Yeah, like you're saying. And it would just be like, oh, it's really it's really cute. Maybe it has twelve thousand views. Yeah. You know? Right. That that'd be it. Or whereas like uh, it was in a position, like you're saying, back then to like really have epic Effect. Not only that, but to influence many, 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 many time travel films this yep. ever since then. And the concept of what time travel means and the paradox of time travel and all of these different things are an important part of this thing. Yep. Uh, but the reason I say would barely make an impact today is because basically here's the whole, I'll give you a very quick uh, idea, not of the actual plot, but of how this film looks. It is all shot in black and white photography it's uh, that's basically fade in and out of every frame with a narrator describing what's happening, what, and what you're seeing, no mm -hmm. actual dialogue at all. Right? right. And it's all very grainy black and white photography with sound design on top of that to help give it a little bit of life, a little bit of uh, a little room, little yep. room, et cetera, et cetera. And there is only one shot where there's actual motion, and that's when she opens her eyes. Yes, which is terrific. Uh, which is absolutely fantastic. Uh, but uh, that's it. Uh, yeah. That's it. And the whole film is 29 minutes, and it is almost exactly the major parts. It's like the Cliff Note version of... 12 monkeys except better <laughs> in some cases. <laughs> much, much agreed much agreed okay now there's nothing wrong with 12 well there is a lot wrong with 12 monkeys but there's actually something very awesome about 12 monkeys which i absolutely i do really like the film mm -hmm. i have i have problems with it in some cases 
but I also really enjoyed the film and I definitely appreciate the challenge that Terry Gilliam had to go through to do this. And Could I think I he was like, what? I'm sorry to interrupt. I, I was just going to say, where do you, if you were to rank these three movies in order of enjoyment, where, where would you put them? I, Looper, Me, exactly. Chris or I? Uh, yeah, just in general. Go ahead, Eric. Go ahead, Eric. I would do La Jete Looper uh, 12 Monkeys. Mm -hmm. yeah. I would, I might, I, I have to say, I might put Looper at the top. The rewatch. I am with you, Dan. No, uh, the rewatch on Looper was pretty shocking for me. We'll get there. We'll get there. We'll but get just there. Tease the tease the the back I half disagree. of this episode. Yeah. Now, now I, I, I really liked Looper here, on the second yeah, we'll one, but I still there. was we'll like, here, here. Yes, I I agree. I will get to Looper in a second, but yep. I have to say that there would be no Looper without Lajete, and that's why it's more important. That's why I put Lajete first. Okay. 100%. Because there's a nuance of that in both films. Yeah. Yes. Like, uh, and every, actually, I actually feel 12 Monkeys from watching it again, and I like Terry Gilliam stuff. It actually, that production would have been better as a, as a play. Oh, oh yeah. I, okay. So so that's the thing. So, like, these, this, because it was this very, if the sets and the acting were play. Like right. a like a like a New York uh, like a Broadway show, and it's not a bad thing. It was cool, but it was like, man, this plays better as a play. It'd be an interesting play. It'd be a really interesting play. I think that like this like this or episode we're going right now. Yeah, right. This this episode right now. You're going bringing, back in time. You're is, going back in time. I'm back. 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 Where did you go? I'm back over here, and I'm flying a balloon. Pete's character already feels like a Broadway character. I mean, for in a lot of ways. Right. Well, like this. I'm with the Wright brothers. Is the most. This episode is the most Venn diagram episode we. We've ever done it like, is this, this is a, almost ridiculous because there's, like there's bruce willis cross cross pollinization right? <laughs> right there's there's the bruce willis uh, circle and that intersects with uh looper obviously and uh looper intersects with la Jete because it rips off la Jete. and 12 monkeys, 12 monkeys literally says it literally says Luka, the opening title like based said. on la Jete. <laughs> <laughs> like boom yeah so like yep. yeah, like so yeah like uh 12 monkeys is, is at the dead center of this and, like and what's really awesome. great is that they're all interrelated and the whole thing is about interrelationships yes it's uh it's really the perfect uh, even or though self-referential of yes. any kind and yeah. every part of them is referencing themselves and other things constantly right, right. and uh, and what i think is sort of uh, i think is sort of wild is that these like uh like even lechete really is about because it, it doesn't feel futuristic that movie like uh, the futuristic stuff and it looks like people in weird classes and that's pretty much all they do right and yeah, La Jete. And like the uh like all the stuff where Paris is supposed to be uh blown up is like Paris from the war, you know. And so yeah. like everything is is sort of uh is minimized, so everything is very immediate and recognizable as now. And you're mm -hmm. really aware, thanks to the way it's I mean, because like you said, I mean, like it's basically the the best PowerPoint presentation of all time. You know, it's just like clicking through images for half an hour. Well, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Before we let's not let's not generalize that too much. Hold on, there's there's something important here. The 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 slideshow narratives was something that was common, not common, was certainly something that was done at that time. Oh, I think it's I think it's marvelous. I'm not I'm not criticizing. Now we don't at all. do that as much. Great. We don't do that as much anymore because we have such easy access to film. Right. right? 
Right. But but back then there was a slideshow narrative that was really very powerful. And I do remember um, there was a guy who came to, and I saw him present a couple times. I think the name of his presentation was American Stories. Mm-hmm. And it's this Danish was no, no, he wasn't Danish. He was Dutch, which are two different countries, by the way. Uh, <laughs> There's uh, Dutchland and Daneland, as we know. Yes. So he was Dutch, <laughs> and um, he was a tourist in the United States from the seventies in the seventies, and basically he he ran out of money and decided to vagabond around the United States with like an insta insta like a small camera, mm-hmm. uh, and he took a bunch of pictures of things. Mm-hmm. and of the of the american culture around right. him and then it was thousands and thousands and thousands of slides and he like talked about racism and talked about uh, uh mostly about the american lower uh, uh underclass right? right uh which was fantastic from his point of view and he made a literally come would come in with a slide projector and a tape recorder and had this turnings two two slides and he would swap out wheels and it would be this incredible presentation, like two hours slideshow about the American underclass through his voice. Right. And it was unbelievable. Yeah. Uh, and I that's think it's a, a very, very powerful way to present something. Right. Know? And I this think that when, when, I, when I bring up the PowerPoint deal, it's just like, it's that's how much it's devolved for us. Like it's, right. it's like PowerPoint is just like, you know, it's like, it's instantly boring and mm-hmm. this is instantly engaging. And we right. sort of for, forget that. And like, I think that like what, one of the things about um, a is like, it makes you, because it does this style, like it really lets you know, it's a movie all the time. Like, because it is a sequence of stills, like you have no choice, but to think about the fact that these are stills. Like, well, some people mm. will look at it as like, I don't know, what is this, an animatic? You know, like, yeah, exactly. Right. You know, well, exactly. Yeah. It's, but it's pretty amazing to hold your really, your suspense and to follow that story with just stills and you just engage. stills and 28. And the fact it's that it's crazy. 29 minutes and you get so like, what the fuck is going on? Engage. It's really spectacular. I will say that if I had watched this thing for the first time as uh, I mean, I watched it a couple days ago, but if I had watched it today and I've never seen it before, I would not be as impressed because I've seen this story before. Right. Sure. And, and so I think what, what stories like, like what, what 12 monkeys tried to do and what looper I think in some cases succeeded in doing is take that concept and make it, even better like more depth more emotion of all three of those movies i wasn't crying until i hit looper yeah looper looper definitely looper will make you cry yeah looper got me only at the third act the third act is very you're you're absolutely right eric because there's that's it's like three movies that guy's a great director if that's great filmmaking the third act that thing i got a little lost with a dopey guy in the gun in the I, middle. Okay, but I, I really love the best scene besides the third act scene with the kid was uh Jesus. It was so what it's so good. The kid's no, incredible. The, the kid's, the kid's incredible. Yeah. And the what I also loved was that it was so 70s, like that the the really smoking hot prostitute in bed. <laughs> like 
What's great? Like, what's great about like no? I, it just I, had a great '70s yeah. vibe. I was yeah, like, they wow. had a Scorsese right. feel to it. It was a yeah. '70s film, and it, I love not to say oh, it's, it's a like hot three Joker, films. But what I'm, I'm saying, that girl, <laughs> it's, it's three movies that he goes to put the eye drops in, and the way they were yeah. together, that chemistry was so cool. It was like, man, this is so '70s. I really dug it. I wanted more of that. I uh, I, I would say that as far as it goes, because I want to. I, I think we should probably talk about Looper almost entirely separately because we have like La Chate and 12 Monkeys are the same movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm trying, I'm trying to like, we have to sort of like ride through that in that yeah, way. Because, um, but, but I think it's important that like La Chate and 12 Monkeys, uh, let Eric speak. Let Eric speak <laughs> God damn it. Uh, La Chate and 12 Monkeys are their, are their own uh, thing. Right. right. Like, like they, they, but Looper like took this and, Birth it brings it all together it. exactly okay so like anyway, that, that's, eric, that's that that's it tell go us ahead, about eric. you you want to talk about looper go ahead man i think you're right i think you're absolutely right about that that scene the that relationship was amazing and the fact that it starts over and over and over again and his relationship with all the women including the waitress mm-hmm. yeah you know was beautiful i just i just loved i thought there were like a couple different films in there but i still followed it i thought the violence was a little matrix not that i'm against violence but i just i really didn't connect to the whole film until the end because it was that you know with a little boy and then in the field and what he did for that there was i got a lot more of the soul of uh, uh gordon levitt and i just i love i felt like he was with when he was with that girl and they were doing the drops in the eyes. It was such a beautiful, God, it was such a great scene. And I I really like the way they used the Midwest, you know, because you could have done this in a city, just like, by the way, that they did it in Philadelphia for 12 Monkeys. Mm -hmm. They didn't choose a big city, or they chose this different city. And it could be tax breaks, but there's also something. This was 1997. There was no tax breaks. No, 94, 95. 95, th- right, sorry. Yeah, right. and the right. thing is, uh, there was, uh, in Looper, it was definitely that feel of, um, I don't know if it was St. Louis. I don't know what the city was. Yeah, it's lo-fi. It's a lo-fi. It, but place. it was cool, but it had history. Right, yeah. It I had a lot, a lot of history. Yeah. Well, this and is what, like I always say. It's Wild West, like, too. Sci- sci-fi, like sci-fi movies always make this one mistake. Unless you're saying way, way in the future, Dune style or whatever it is. But like, Hey, Dan, sci-fi- can you get the mic a little closer to your mouth? Oh, you bet. Is this better? Better. Okay. Uh, like, uh, I got my crazy hair going, huh? The, um, uh, that sci-fi movies always go like, you know, they'll be like, it's 15 years in the future and everyone looks like they're in fucking you know, uh, uh, wearing uh, plastic, wearing plastic. <laughs> it looks like what, what's the, what's the, uh, Starlet, Ex- Starlet Express. Eric always brings that. It all looks like Starlet Express. Mm-hmm. And you're just like, no one's going to stop and redesign the entire earth in 20 years. Like it's not going to happen. Like almost everything is going to be the same. Like buildings around you in Los Angeles are 75 well, years fucking old. Happened. What, 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 how, how has the world looked any different today than it did in 2002? It zero. <laughs> it's like people walk around on their phones there yeah. there's the big change and so yeah. like i prefer it like in like i prefer it when it's it does that sort of lo-fi angle on on near future material and even for right. like further future material it's just like like we keep shit around and like what you're saying is like the idea of just like you see the history embedded in the setting lends production value so much more than if you were to try to convince me it's the future like logan's run you know, where it's yeah. just like it never works because everyone right. just uses a lot of plexiglass. Yeah, and it's like that's the future, yeah. and it's it's not. 
Where, where did I you mention that, Eric? You mentioned that on the in on, rollerball. Uh, rollerball. Like the 70s, everyone yeah. made the future was like plexiglass, and it was like everything had plexiglass, like mugs <laughs> and beds. And it's sexy. Not like plexiglass. that's not cool looking, but it's going to look cheap in about 12 years. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If you have plexiglass. I got to be now, honest with you, you can really do a lot of cool effects by a cornfield. Oh, yeah, dude. Can like, you know. get a, yeah, you can get away with a lot. It, it, yeah. was, it was pretty beautiful. Yeah, yeah, like I but, like I feel like like Looper is like I liked Looper a lot when I first saw it. I was I thought it was sort of disjointed and I didn't enjoy that like the three movies in one thing. I was just like I was following another good movie. And right. uh and it was tough to sort of continue the like oh, you said like the emotion like seen, the emotional arc didn't didn't work for me the first time. I've around. seen like, Looper I'd say like maybe twelve times. Right. So like I should have watched this I should have rewatched this much, much earlier in my life than I did right now. I've only I like I've seen it I definitely saw it in the theater once. I I think yeah. I've seen it once or twice after that, but I was sort of casually watching it. This is the first time I've sat down and so like, okay, give me Looper. And I was like, Oh fuck, I love this movie. Like this yeah. movie is great. Like I was yeah. really sort of shocked. And like well, the thing that I liked about it is that it uh like it does like it it starts off in this it starts really, off like a cheesy sci-fi film yeah like a, in this really sort of like knowingly a matrix going on there guys. yeah, like, yeah it, it was exactly. like, it does this thing where it's like in the future the time travel has not been invented yet it's like yeah okay. like this is, this oh, is what's okay. sort of awesome about it it's because it's also i mean i say this about a lot of it's things, disarming it's, like, <laughs> it's yeah well it's a it's a little bit of a movie about movies right and the fact that it's like um that it starts off very not hokey but it's like matrixy and really really noir -y. like it's like lots of noir slang and all this kind of like stuff like the because he loves that from doing brick brick also has like an obsession mm -hmm. with noir stuff but the movie sort of like the the movie is about joseph gordon levitt turning into uh bruce, uh bruce willis and so the movie grows up as it goes along like his relationships grow up the way the movie is shot right. grows up becomes like becomes a more mature film it becomes <laughs> a more mature movie as the movie progresses and this right. is something i totally didn't and get becomes more time. aware of itself as it's right. done yeah yeah and i think that that's sort of like a that, that's something i didn't catch the first time and mm -hmm. uh and i really and because like i said like the like like you guys said the the emotional bang of the of the kid in the end and all this stuff sure. is like it's so strong that i was like you know that going into it again i was like oh yeah i remember this whole super emotional thing with a kid and i'm and so like on the rewatch i'm like way more invested because i'm going that way and so i'm like i know he's an asshole now but this is going to change into this allowed me to uh uh, you know, get, sort of get on board earlier than I did before, and so uh, like I was, I was really like, this is a. I did not give this movie. Enough, I like this movie, but I did not give this movie nearly enough credit the first time I saw it. And now I was just like, this is a sort it's of funny. stylistic. It's funny because we were trying to go through this chronologically, but then it like we jump us, around. It's time we, we, we got. We, <laughs> I know, but we got to Looper really quickly because I think we're too excited to to talk about it. It's it it is a, a weird grab bag movie, but all of it is so yeah so nicely done, and so it's all everything is like it's the best Akira movie I've seen outside of Akira. You know, like it's <laughs> like there's uh, so much great stuff in this thing, right? Um, and but it's like, also uh, like the witness, and it's also like, yeah, you know, it's you know, wild, dude. It's, it's a wild. lot of weird stuff going on, and, and it's so yeah, barely a sci-fi film in right. some cases. 
and it then, does what it does. It was a western too. For it's me, a western, it's a western. You're right. Yeah, yep. exactly. Like it's all crammed in. Because like, like when once you get like the the far future guys, you know, who come and get Bruce Willis are basically Amish, right? They're so 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 old west. They're Amish, and I'm just like I thought of them as Hasidic, but it was weird. Yeah, like this. It's just it's just wild. You're just like, well, this, is the, this is the fashion Quaker of the Quaker. Quaker. Exactly. Yeah. Quaker. Yeah, exactly. And so like this is the 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 joy of that movie is like like bringing those guys on board in this hyper stylized old westy garb you're just like what the fuck are they doing here like yeah. it, and it broadens the scope of the movie because what it's really doing is encompassing the history of his uh, movie history in the movie uh and i'm just like that's a like that is such a wild thing to try to do and the thing is like i'm not a i'm not an automatic giant ryan johnson fan like i like I'm, his movies sometimes work sometimes don't yep. but I, when they work they work like brick is a is a masterpiece to me. Rick is incredible. Uh, Rick is good, but then, like at the same time, you have you know, uh, Knives Out's not bad. You know, there's something I, I, have, I, like, I, I should see Knives Out. I, I didn't like Knives Out when I first saw it, and I'll and I can sum it up for a okay. Spoiler alert for Knives Out: the movie spoils itself early on and tells you who did it, right? Right. And that's a clever thing to do. Except I spent the rest of the movie like slogging through, waiting around with a bunch of characters I know didn't do it. And right. so I was just like, I don't like I, this. Feels really draggy to me because, like, right. in that I know that these guys. Don't well, do that's it. the whole what point, right? Sometimes right. it's like, oh, we showed you exactly who did it, but then you you're supposed to think you maybe you got it wrong, maybe you got it wrong, maybe you right. got it wrong, right? Maybe there's right. a flip that happens, right? Right. And, I mean, I did the same thing with right. with well, not with with uh, Sixth Sense. I right. I knew pretty much he was dead the whole time. And then, right, you're just waiting. Um, that exactly, movie is a, yeah. a one note. If you miss that, yeah, like, yeah. like, yeah. like it was for me, he like, comes to sit down for right. dinner, and his hand goes across the table right in right. the beginning. Right. And I was like, oh wait, is he dead? And then ruined the movie. For and me. just and then you're just <laughs> waiting now because Sixth yeah. Sense is awesome for me. Like I didn't know, I didn't get it until the end, and it was great, right? But like I can imagine, like going to that movie, you're like, okay, so he's dead, and then you're waiting. <laughs> so like, yes. you know, with 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 Knives Out, like I should see it again because maybe I'll have a reaction like Looper. Like the guy's got a great, the guy's a really great filmmaker. Like he's incredibly, he's a great filmmaker. He's he a, is great, a good filmmaker. legit great filmmaker. Um, Even though and, he did some Star Wars crap, but he did well, that, that's by the, the way, like, he's uh, let's quickly pardon me. He's a rich filmmaker because oh, he just yeah. signed that Netflix deal. Three more knives out or whatever it is. Yeah, yeah. for four hundred million. That's right. pretty good. Good for you, Ryan Johnson. Well yes. done. Well done. Now, now he did. He also did. Hold on. He also did Rogue One, right? No, he did not. No, oh, wait. that was Gareth. That's, uh, Edwards. that's Gareth. That was Gareth Edwards. Edwards. Yeah, Shit. but I do. Now, I we've done a lot of podcasting on my opinion of uh, of Last Jedi, and my my opinion of Last Jedi has matured over time, in that they have found a way to contextualize that movie into something that now makes the movie work better for me. And the yeah. thing is, like, I like what the movie is attempting, but I don't know what it's. Like I don't know where it goes. Like I mean, these are like, knives out the same way. I'm just like, this is a really good gag. It doesn't land anywhere for me. Like the, his filmmaking all the time is excellent, and he's really daring at what he does. But when he doesn't bring me to a place, then I'm just like, eh, it's I don't know. I don't know what that was supposed to be about. Later with Star Wars, like with the third one, I know everyone hates the third one, but the third one was able to contextualize the first two movies, which I initially didn't like very much, uh, into a, a kind of story that in a meta way worked and i liked all three of them a lot more for it uh so i like when i bitch about ryan johnson like i'm not saying the guy's a bad the guy's a legit great unbelievably talented skilled person and seems like a nice guy 
Um, but either sometimes with Liquid Looper, I didn't fully get it the first time around. It took me uh, a rewatch to get on board. Or with Knives Out, I was like, good, good trick, but it didn't land. Um, but oh. with this, I was really, really shocked at how well it worked for me this this latest time. I was like, yeah, I, am I, I was wrong. <laughs> I, I saw I saw Looper many times, uh, and I had mixed reactions towards it the first time. But mm. uh, once you get to that last part, I'm like, wait, yeah, it's what dynamite. The fuck, yeah, dynamite. But dynamite. here's the, here's a question for you: What is it about these time travels that entices Bruce Willis? <laughs> what draws him in? Yeah. Right? Well, even to, to well, the he's only, like, well. Okay, has he done any other time travel films besides these two? I think that's, I believe, that's I believe he may big... have. Let's see, Bruce. I'm gonna Google that before we answer. But uh, I will. Hudson Hawk. No. <laughs> he wishes he went back in time <laughs> and say, true. "No, I don't want to do this movie." Yeah. Let's see if he time travel movie. Let's see if put time travel movies. Uh, yeah, no, it is it is Looper and Twelve Monkeys and a little bit the kid. <laughs> uh, okay. But no, the um, Looper Twelve Monkeys for sure. I think that like Bruce Willis is he hasn't made a good movie in a while now. Like he's made lots and lots of bad movies, uh, mm -hmm. but he he for a long time uh, since Pulp Fiction was willing to invest in really semi risky material. Mm -hmm. And so you end up with, I mean, since it's 12 Monkeys, to be fair, like he's always been interested in making uh, really crazy movies. And I think the reason why he's been making bad movies is because no one's coming to him with the interesting ones. So he's making these things kind of resentfully. And he's just like, great, I play another fucking diehard ripoff. Yeah. And like he has no. Oh, to do you that. know what you need to do then? Mm -hmm. I would highly recommend if you finish watching this, watch Between Two Ferns with Bruce Willis. <laughs> oh my god. Where they specifically address that about himself. Oh, that's brutal. <laughs> and it's brutal. God bless you, Zach Galifianakis. Yeah, that's and he weird. Zach Galifianakis goes off on him and talks about like, you know, is there have you ever said no to a movie or like that like 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 just really rips into him, right? Yeah. yeah and yeah. and 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 Bruce Willis just sort of sits there and takes it all and then he he's like Man, the 80s, man, it was so good. And he just really, really goes into it. And it, it's like, oh, shit. Like, you like, and it, it's, it's brilliant because That's it really terrible. addresses the Bruce Willis paradox, right. which is an important paradox, by the way. Right. right. Yeah. The time directly like by Bruce Willis, and he completely mocks his entire good. career that makes me like him even more i love yes. i do love bruce willis and bruce willis movies i even like him in shitty movies i think that he is a yes. uh like i think he's a great entertainer anyway but like i feel like he is in the spot that nicholas cage was in two or two or three years ago i don't think he's mm -hmm. as gifted as nicholas cage which is a weird thing to say well he's as yeah, no i don't think that's weird i think it's like i think i think he's as gifted as nicholas cage but in a very specific way in that he is a he is a movie star like Bruce sure. Willis is is one hundred percent incredible at being Bruce Willis, and yes. and his actual the only thing that's well the thing that's great and the thing that's wrong for him is that he obviously has an indie movie heart, and he uh, can't fill it, and he can't <laughs> fill it, man. Like he's doing all these shitty low rent 
you know, knockoff movies for straight yep. to DVD. Well, Die like, Hard is it, right, man? That's what happened. Die Hard is the yep. thing that defined him. Die yep. Hard and and uh, and uh, uh, you know, don't forget Moonlighting. And Moonlighting, which is great and very experimental. Like that's a very experimental show. It's hard to actually find now. Right. Uh, but uh, why but, is like, that? I, I think they have rights problems. They've, it's the standard stupid story. You know, it's just like lots of great shows that because they have music issues or whatever the fuck it is, like, you know, they just don't, whatever. But I mean, like, you look at like uh, Willis' career from like uh, Sixth Sense, which I actually, I've never, I've never, I may have gone back and rewatched it once, but like the first time through in Sixth Sense, if you don't know, is a great movie and experimental. Uh, Unbreakable, I really love. Uh, Pulp Fiction, obviously. Uh, yes. Yeah, like he, he's done like some really wacko choices. Even Hudson Hawk, which is not a good movie, is a weird choice. And I totally like endorse that. And uh, And watching 12 Monkeys, I was just like, he told us early where he wanted to go, and we didn't really support him. <laughs> wow. yeah. You know, he wanted to be on the Brad Pitt track, which is strange. Because but Brad, okay, but okay, Brad Pitt let, is well, a let's, 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 let's okay. Sorry. So, so uh, just to keep people up there, I'm just going to do this very quick mm-hmm. in terms of the narratives of these things. La Jetée is really the story about a guy who is as has memories of himself as a kid at the Orly airport watching planes take off and then he witnesses someone dying at the airport mm-hmm. right yeah soon after that in this specific situation the uh world war 3 through atomic bomb happens that's because it's 1963 that's the threat of uh, of uh, global annihilation right uh he lives underground and uh, uh you see exactly what this is lives underground with a bunch of other people and they invent some kind of weird form of time travel where he goes back in time and falls in love with this but he's supposed to dis- he's supposed to look out for what happened originally uh for this uh situation try to avoid it but he falls in love with a woman because it's french and it's in paris and that's the way things move in paris uh yeah all, all, all things you know you go to paris you get off a plane you're going to fall in love with some french girl that's this and, <laughs> and that's just that, what happens that's <laughs> just what happens am i right eric absolutely yeah that's that's one Ma- madame bovary is all you know that's all that's all what it is uh 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 bovary anyway Anyway, so he goes there and um, and basically what happens, he goes back in time and he tries to do things. And then he ends up back at Ali Airport and turns out he is the guy who ends up getting killed and witnessing his own death. Yes. Right. This is really what it is. Uh, trying to be real simple. There's more complexity to it. It's an absolutely beautiful film. You should really watch it. It's only 29 minutes. It's a low commitment in terms of time, but it is Criterion worth a watch. A, yes. A Criterion Channel. You can watch the French and the English version, which now I think we've already established you should watch both to see the difference in tone, which mm-hmm. is also very interesting. And mostly it's about the language and the way the language delivers. Anyway, clearly 12 Monkeys is a is almost an exact story of the same thing but way more developed into a two-hour film right right Right. it involves a few more characters also it is no longer the atomic bomb it's a virus oh shit Shit. (laughs) good times good times (laughs) yeah it's a virus and that feels a little too close to home watching Mm -hmm. that today um but it is a virus that does the same situation and it's a and it's a etc 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 the 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 thing is, this is directed by Terry Gilliam, right? 
And Terry Gilliam, by his own nature, is going to have extreme, and I think, Eric, you nailed it, theatrical feelings, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Everything is really, really, really down to the art direction. And it just, in the same themes. And I like his stuff a lot, but it's theatrical. Yes. And so it's... Um, I'm a, I have a mixed mixed feeling on Terry Gilliam, and this this movie is the most mixed I am. Like I think that uh, yes, he is a. I think that the screenplay to Twelve Monkeys is out of this world. I think it's like a great well, were screenplay. People you probably know, people they were like Peoples were the yeah. big sci-fi writers. Yeah, well, David Peoples did uh, Blade Runner. He's co-writer on Blade Runner, and he also wrote Unforgiven. And I think that this this is arguably his like third greatest script. And mm -hmm. it's, uh, it's complicated. Yeah, it's very complicated. It's very complex. And mm -hmm. I think that, that the, the trouble, like I'm trying to, I'm trying to reckon with my feelings about Terry Gilliam because like I often go off about how I don't like to let my personal feelings about artists interfere with their work. Well, you're thinking about the documentary and yeah. How, okay. Yeah. And, and so like I, uh, this is before I came to that sort of, self-realization of dealing with art which took many years to do to grow into uh where i'm just like you know i'm i'm tired of i'm tired of just like ignoring art because people are bad like art is mine i don't give a fuck about the artists anymore including when i'm the artist <laughs> you know it's just like screw all that um like just let the art be the art to you and so like i'm trying to watching this i was like i gotta let go of my feelings about terry gilliam which were uh the first major the first real big disappointment that I had in a public figure that I per that I personally looked up to, really, uh, and uh, like because I when I was young, I think it's easy to, like like when I was young, I was like, oh, Terry Gunn's crazy and fun, you know. I mean, like I I, I looked at him as an artistic inspiration because he was very he just went for it, he just totally went for it, right. and uh, I love Brazil, I still love Brazil, Brazil's a great film, yeah. and uh, uh, so I had very strong feelings about, like, how a lot of people feel about, a, like, a lot of younger people today feel about Tim Burton, uh, I felt about uh, Terry Gilliam, and, uh, and, like, Lucifer! I, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, like, hold on, hold on, I'll, I'll sure. yeah, keep going, keep talking, keep talking, that, um, uh, like, Tim Burton is, to me, a great uh, artist. Uh, he is only occasionally a great filmmaker, uh, and I've felt that way about him his whole career. Whereas with Gilliam, early on, I was so mesmerized by his craziness that it, it served to entertain me, in spite of the fact that his movies are very clunky and don't work very well. Mm. And so now, when I watch them, I'm just like, this is very—it's very frustrating, but. The big thing, as Eric already called out, is like when I saw the documentary on uh, called Lost in La Mancha about the production of um, uh, Don, Quixote. Don Quixote movie, um, it, like he they they filmed him being such a radical asshole to his crew. I was like, oh, my God, what a fucking jerk. Like it blew my mind. And it right. tainted everything I saw from him after that. It just wrecked it. I was like, I can't believe Agreed. that, yeah, a, that was, an artist was... would treat his crew so badly. And it really, really destroyed my opinion going into any of his other films. Now, like, obviously, I don't have 
that as a mindset really anymore. Like I like Roman Polanski movies, Woody Allen movies, all this stuff. I, I we've dealt with that subject. We've dealt with that over CIA. the years. Yeah. That's for sure. Like that, and so like I, I think that I would have a very like to find out that Terry Gilliam was. If I found out now that he was like this, you know, I'd be like, yeah, some people are assholes. I still like the movies. Um, that I saw that like that happened to me yeah. at exactly the wrong moment. You guys are still doing a podcast with me, so that's you know. That's hey, yeah, that's right. We all make. It's like I think we all make allowances at least. For me, <laughs> yeah. it's Danny still talking, so we'll be patient. <laughs> right. But uh, but yeah, that was a let Eric talk. Let Eric talk. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's the like that was the first thing I that first like loss I ever had creatively in terms of respect for someone, and uh, I have not been able to watch. So Lost in La Mancha made you fall out of love with Terry Gilliam. Yes, yeah, things. yeah, and so like my feelings on. 12 monkeys have long been complicated by that i tried to get into my present mindset about the artist and the art in watching 12 monkeys again and uh and watch it again and this time i liked it i was like yeah it's a pretty good movie the screenplay is better than the filmmaking but it's a good movie it's yeah. a good like it's a good movie and like there's lots of enjoyable stuff and Gilliam like there's certain stuff that Gilliam handles incredibly well right. and uh and some design that I think is really beautiful and like uh Brad Pitt's hysterically funny I think and, the best thing he did, does well mm -hmm. are homeless people and insane people absolutely he sure. captures them yeah. or a side of them that is really true right. and real as yeah. and not cliche most people relate with yeah relatable mm -hmm. and real people most people depict uh, insane people or people who have mental stability issues like Chris and um, other things like Chris. And uh, basically, what? I'm just kidding. The point is, he's the best. Most make homeless people like what you, you know, a cliche. And, yeah. and really, he does it so well. I noticed that on this round. Right. But then there's other times he just, I always feel like his world and his setups are brilliant mm -hmm. and then by the third act he 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 maybe his add i mean he just he loses focus yeah like most of his films are like my god this is so great and then oh he slips well or i think i think it's a right. focus issue well I think like, like he, he on munchausen is kind of like oh this is so i great. love and munchausen yeah, yeah but then it's like <laughs> well, they, 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 the the movies get so cumbersome with like noisy shit like it's with just themselves like, right with themselves and i think that's what he loves i think he loves things being so complicated that you lose track of what's going on like it becomes this big whirly gig machine right. and like he loves that state of mind where it's like oh it's so fucking crazy and you don't even know what's happening i'm like yeah but it's so crazy and i don't know what's happening yeah but it's because he's been working with the freaking monty python crew for so long where it's like one disjointed well, conversation guys, after the he other he was right? let's be honest he was a he did montage he was right. a montagist. He was right. like you're asking him to be like John Singer Sargent, but he's more like yeah, I think you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He, he's fun. a Schwitters or somebody just right. you know, yeah. pasting objects together and saying. I want to say that Rich basically said he met Gilliam once. I yeah, it's a, it's a good little. Uh, I like to hear more. That's story. Story. that's pretty interesting. That's, that's, cool. a, that's an Eric drop right there. Yeah, man. no doubt. Well, the thing is, like, <laughs> I, I think like because like if now like to reflect on him now, I mean now I think about my reaction to uh, the documentary. I'm like now like now I feel at least. Now I feel I know better. I don't know if I do, but I feel that I know better. And that I would be like, this is just an aspect. You caught him on a bad day and you filmed him. Like, fuck, man, have you caught me on a bad day any one of tw 20 times the past but, year? Yeah. Like, I would look like a giant. You guys also know my middle name. Danger? 
No, my name, my name, my initials. That was really good. Go ahead, Eric. Go ahead. Eric. What's your middle name? My my full name is Eric Paul Gilliam Sheely. Oh, that's right. There it is. My grandmother was for Virginia. That's not a middle name. That's the third name. It's in the middle, depending on the Paul middle. Is a dash. Dash. Paul the middle Gilliam. is a dash. And my grandmother was from uh, uh, Tide, uh, Tidewater, Virginia. And right. Terry Gilliam's family is from Virginia. That's where oh, came wait. From. I had this conversation today with someone. They were asking about you. They're saying, oh, one of my favorite Austrian artists is Schiele. And I was like, I think Eric's related to that guy. Is that true? Yeah. It's like my my um, father's father. So not my grandfather, but my great grandfather's brother's son. Is it's like the, the artist, the Austrian yeah, artist. Yeah, it's they came from the same. Yeah, because my father's side of the family came to Germantown, Pennsylvania, the turn Boom. of the century from All right, Austria. Cool. Done. And then um uh, uh Wilhelm was I think it was Wilhelm. Yeah, now the interesting thing I was thing talking is, to you today was Austrian and he kept referring to you by Sheila. It is Sheila. If I Sheila. go to like Austria, they say, Oh, Mr. Sheila. When I work for like Roland Emmerich, everyone in the office, the Germans called me Sheila. Right. But the interesting thing is, is that he came to America, uh, my uh, great grandfather. No, my grip. Anyway, the point is, he married a woman who was um, a prostitute. No, from the Gert, <laughs> you know, the, the Gert. The oh, Gert. That her family. He right. married a girl that was like the the uh, the sister or the you know like a, a relative of him, right? Small world, very, very I, small uh, world. I'm looking at uh, Sheila's stuff right now, and I actually like it quite a bit. Yes, he's a very but good there artist. Is, there is a painting. He also got arrested, unfortunately. So when I was a kid, they said, "Oh, well, you're related to an artist who makes dirty pictures." That's oh, all no. I say. That's no good. He was like, arrested in Tom. This, uh, I, I, I'm looking at a, let's see, this is, I'm looking at, wait, I gotta find, I'm gonna put this in chat. Wait a second. Oh, no, go back. I'm looking at a painting right now that uh, I'm just gonna say. The embrace? If, uh, no, I'm gonna put this in the uh, Martini chat. Maybe this is the wrong chat. In, in, in the Twitch chat. Twitch chat. Is Can this the same guy? Because it looks like you might be related. Oh my God, yes. Jesus. <laughs> I don't know if it's the same Sheila, but there it is. There's, uh, and I was like, "Oh my god, <laughs> it's Eric as uh, as uh, one of Sheila's paintings." That's pretty great. Yep. <laughs> and it's Look a self-portrait. That's it's amazing. Self-portrait. It's a self-portrait. Look at this dude. My god. Egon Sheila, right? That was Egon, right? Egon Sheila. All right. Yeah. So the the famous ones of him are, uh, like this. That's a big link. Hold on. That's nope, didn't link. work. Oh my God. Some something. Okay, gotta copy the whole. Oh yeah, that's a thing. that's a cut and paste issue. All right, there it's a cut and paste well. issue. Hold on. <laughs> okay. Hold on. I'll do it again. For those nope, who still didn't work. There's, some, there's, like, a, there's a. I can I can read out the entire link to you if you'd like, but it's very very long. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm gonna. I'm just gonna copy and paste it. You ready? Okay. Here we go. Slam. Oh, I'm sorry for the cat meowing in the background. Uh, the kittens are being um, uh, in inoculated, so they're all out of the house, and she is she is very worried. Oh, they're being treated for. Yes, yeah, 
She's going through being treated for. Oh, uh, just what you do with kids for for, uh, <laughs> for reproductive reasons. Yeah, no, they're not quite. They have a few more weeks before the treatment. Yeah, that my God, Eric! Holy shit, this guy looks like you. Which Can one? You the the link you sent. I finally got it. This is pretty funny. Yeah, it's pretty good. I love it. Yeah, I love this. This is a great little. I There's know for, a lot of similarities for, between him and you. Yes, my, has, my actually, father has those ears. The shield wait ears. a minute, are you him? And you went back in time? I, I think so. We need a little wrap. But by the way, when you, see those, when you see those <laughs> photos, guys, that's everything. Um, so you know everything that um, David Bowie and the idiot uh, from uh, Iggy Pop—they took all from him, yeah. right? Yeah, for sure, for sure. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, okay, I, like, I think this is. I think, this is, I think that's. Right, I want to. I want to do a little circle back on this. Okay, so so back. I want to. So sorry. So I, there's a couple things I want to bring up, and I know I'm. I'm actually just going to bring up random things just to 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 because there are things that I've I've been thinking about throughout. We've been talking about doing this the this this montage of films or or this this uh, combination of films for for actually a long time like at right. least six months to a year uh but uh finally it's like i think it's time we need to do it and i'm really glad we did and i was so excited that this happened but there's several things i want just random things i want to bring up and i'm going to go ahead and talk about specifically terry gilliam who is a animator by yes. right great so animator. great animator obviously all the all the animations that you're seeing in monty python stuff is comes from him and he's very influential in that area He's also the only American in the Monty Python group, right? That's right. Yes. So, uh, which is also interesting. Uh, but he, uh, th there is an important part of this film history in the architecture world. Eric, do you know what that film history is? You're the only one that probably knows this. Levius Woods. Yes. There you go. Because I told you, my I was telling Nance this morning when, back when I lived in New York, uh, I was friends with and hung out a lot with this photographer, him, Norm, mm -hmm. and he, good stories with him. Um, but he, uh, he shared a studio floor cause he was, he did product, you know, like with the RZ 67, you know, like, um, photography of, of cosmetics. Right. Mm -hmm. And he had a studio, made a ton of money. And the guy next door at the studio was Levius Woods. So when he'd be on phone calls, I'd be like, I was just walk in the hallway and I'd walk into the studio and they'd be building the models and doing the artwork. And I would just talk to the guys and hang out. Right. And I was like this stuff. And what he, I'll tell the story if you don't, if you don't want to, but he, they, the production designer basically took exact duplicate. Stole. stole. Like literally stole. <laughs> yeah. uh, and Livius Woods actually sued them. He sued <laughs> yeah. And he got a bunch of money. Yeah. You know who so, worked with Libius as well is the, the, the mutual friend of ours, or I haven't seen him in years, but he's a super nice guy. He lives in Miami now. Carlos uh, Coyo. Yeah, he worked with Libius because I, I know he was on my podcast. Yeah. Because so I, I, will, I, will, I will circle it back a little uh, bit. So, I so, was uh, like, I used to go to the studio all the time. I know, I know, I know. And he mentioned you. That's why. I, that's why. I, yeah, anyway, yeah, Libius no, was for those of you who are not known necessarily in the architecture world, Libius was actually very famous. He was an architectural illustrator by trade in beautiful the beginning. Work. And he used to do beautiful art architectural illustration, but he also used to do illustrations of things that were his own inspiration, architectural inspirations that were out of this world. In fact, Gorgeous. I, mean, I would, 
put some links in while you yeah, talk. If, if I would actually live in Alibius Woods' world. Or I have film one it. of his books. You know, yeah. it's absolutely incredible. Lots of floating weird stuff. Very disjointed. It's kind of a little bit, I would say, somewhat a father of the deconstructivist architecture in a lot of ways, but really amazing. So you can look at Libius Woods' work, which was never built or could never be built in a lot of ways from what you guys can check it out. And actually, let's, let's see if this, yeah, that's perfect. Yeah. And and it's absolutely amazing illustrations that, that he did. Uh, and uh, his, they're quite incredible. So one of the things that he did during that time is um, um, he, a lot of architects were influenced. It's like, you can never build that, but then you have things like. This has uh, the chair. If you scroll down, it right, has the, the chair. The chair is in what? there. So, so this, this, this illustration at the end. Halfway of this, down. Halfway down, you'll see the chair, which is the chair that was used specifically in 12 Monkeys. Identically. Right? <laughs> the 12 like, oh, like, yeah, which yeah, is yeah. like, oh, shit, this is identical yeah. to the 12 Monkeys. I mean, it's such a ripoff. It's ridiculous. So basically, yeah. someone from the art department or possibly Terry Gilliam himself production said, designer, Just let's do that and put yeah, Terry, put fucking Bruce Willis in that chair interviewed right. by an orb of people. Right. And that's exactly the design by Levius Woods. And what a little actually bit too on the nose. And what happened is Libius Woods literally went to the movie theaters to see this awesome new Terry Gilliam movie. Right. And it's like, what the Jesus. fuck? As he saw that on the screen, as right. you can imagine, yeah. someone would say. Yeah, uh, there's, uh, there's, uh, there's, there's homage. And there's homage and there's blatant there's rip-off. Rip off. And that's what they did. Which is funny because the film itself is also a copy, a, of, a copy of another movie, right? <laughs> right. So, like, I, so I think that's the thing. It's like you, you have to. It's. I mean, it's tricky sometimes because I mean, there are there are movies that I love that uh, that make giant, very clear nods to works of art or to whatever it is, and I think it's right. great. Um, but like, there's a like in Twelve Monkeys, you don't get the sense that he's trying to get give a nod to Libius Woods. Like, you get the sense that he's trying no. to get away with something. I'm wondering if <laughs> I'm wondering if that's really the start of when legal really started to get involved with pictures. Yeah. Well, they, basically, what happened is that Libius Woods got paid an undisclosed amount of money. When you don't disclose it, that's a lot of that's a lot of closing. <laughs> that is a, a lot, lot of money, there. right? Yep. And so, yep. so it was interesting. But I, I do remember Carlos, and you can listen to go 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 look up on CG Garage. I did a podcast with Carlos Fueyo, and he talks about working for Libius Woods. Unfortunately, he's passed away. My feeling, based on the what 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 Carlos was hinting, is that he was a heavy, heavy, heavy smoker, and that probably is what probably did, him yep. did him in. Did him in. Uh, but he's a very interesting. By the way, actor. that studio they use so much of that, you know, that that spray, like like the oh right, the, the, the fix the it spray the glue. Fix. Yeah, it's like if you know if that didn't kill him, then the smoking would because right. it was like right. Yeah, that's you know, bad news. Uh, that spray glue, the three M glue you spray. Oh yeah, yeah spray no, mount, spray mount, spray mount. Oh my yeah, god, I have a I have a spray mount story for you. When I was uh, in architecture school and we were working on doing this exact, exactly as you described, building models mm -hmm. and doing all these things, and this was in Houston, Texas, and as you, some of you who may know a little bit about Houston, it's a, it's a hot, humid place that has all kinds of fucked up bugs that live there, similar that's, as as that Florida. That sums up what I know about Houston. Yeah, that is true. <laughs> uh, uh, Phil's, uh, and so there is these these things called. Uh, um, 
uh, water roaches or whatever. They're these big ass roaches. Mm -hmm. Palmetto bugs is another word for uh, them. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. they're really big and they fly, which is really kind of disgusting. Which is not uh, the bonus you want to have in a ridge. <laughs> right. So I do remember Upgraded we were ridge. sitting there in our studio working on our models. And my brand, my buddy Keith, who I've mentioned several times, he was there working on a model. And one of these big-ass roaches was walking across his floor and it freaked someone out. And it flew in the air. And then everyone started screaming like it was you know, a bat that was about to fly into your hair because they're not necessarily very good flyers right? because they're right. so large. Right. Um, at which point Keith took a spray can of 3M spray mount <laughs> and yeah. sprayed it at this flying bug. That will do it. Which went, bzz, 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 and then it just like its, its wings got glued shut yeah. and it just nosedived like an airplane crashing into like the ocean and wow. uh and it was it was quite hilarious and you know uh, th and this actually makes uh what happened with Lydia's woods make a lot of sense because that's what happened yeah. dive yeah. down straight out of the sky <laughs> yeah so anyway uh so that is a story about about 12 monkeys i think is important uh to mention but the art direction on it nonetheless still to this day the art direction is fantastic yeah, I mean, it's yeah. Gilliam's Gilliam's got loads and loads of great ideas, and mm -hmm. like it, you know, he's got uh, he's like I think that I think that Legete handles the difference between the future and the past a little bit more subtly, um, and Gilliam's not subtle. Well, you know, so like I would I would I like, would say I, subtly by like less money. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Hey, it's it's but that's what that's what happens. I mean, it's 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 the same only with like little tiny glasses. You know, that's pretty much it. Or like yeah. weird goggles, um, uh, or like or it, strange hats from the future. Strange strange hats from the future. Um, uh, I would I would love to see Twelve Monkeys be remade by a more coherently minded director. That screenplay done by Alphonse Cuarón. Now they did try to do a series television on netflix show. or television show on this they did yeah yeah apparently did i lose your audio did i lose dan what happened to dan uh -oh. what can you hear me Eric, oh now we can, can hear, hear you. you you're back okay. right. um but yeah that uh i would love to see 12 monkeys the screen you know anyone anyone with a more than gilliam i think that gilliam's is it me or is he coming in and out, Eric? He's coming in and out. Ah, okay. Let's see. I may have to. I may have to rejoin. Let's see what happens. No, 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 no! Don't rejoin. Okay. You're, you sound fine now. All right. Um, but the because for me, like Gilliam's best stuff is when his completely scattershot stuff that he loves, like it, the the inconsistency that he loves so much, fits the story. And I think that like Brazil works great because. Brazil has to make less and less sense for it to make emotional yeah, sense. Yeah, the absurdist, just like yeah. his the cartoons he did and the work right. he did for 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 Monty Python. 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 There's right. absurdity, but it's it's hard to. Yeah, like this this needs the opposite of that. Like the movie needs to make essentially not more not more literal sense, but you need to be it needs structure. It needs more and more connectiveness as it goes on, right. uh, in order for me to really get the emotional flow of what is happening. And instead, it's more and more disconnected, and noisier and noisier and crazier and crazier to the point where I'm just like, okay, well, I know where it's going anyway, so 
I guess that's what's happening. And it, and it, and it remains frustrating to me. I think that there's moments of greatness in this movie, um, but there's a great movie to be made out of the screenplay that hasn't Did been Did you yet. like her performance, Madeline Stowe? I, okay, go ahead, Chris. Sorry, I don't mean to jump in. No, no, no. I, 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 I actually have a, I have a long take on uh, Brad Pitt, Bruce Willis, and Madeline Stowe's performance because specifically, Eric, based on the way you're talking about being a play, right? Mm-hmm. The one person that figured out it's a play was Brad, Brad Pitt. Pitt. Yeah, for sure. 100%. <laughs> right? And 100%. he, because all of them are overacting, but he's yeah. overacting perfectly. On, on point. Exactly. He's making a Terry Gilliam movie. He's making a Terry Gilliam film. Yeah, bingo. Yeah, she and then was... Bruce Willis is like, who's always supposed to be like, hey, I'm Bruce Willis. He needed the counterpoint, though. He, he was, couldn't do he it. Could like have, he, sh- he could have been the same if she, if they had a different lead than her i think yeah. it would have been more successful I, eric i think you're onto it i think like it's i think you're probably right like i don't i don't think willis is incredible in this movie he's certainly incredible in other movies um but like i think he, he's actually I, pretty bad in this film he's he, he is, is because he needed that other person he yeah. needs he's, he's, someone he's to dance with in the middle yeah. Yeah. yeah he's and there's two sides there's the brad yeah. pitt side and it, and it wasn't balanced out and, and right. christopher and he, plummer wasn't given chance yeah. christopher plummer right. with the southern accent meant he basically, and I love Christopher Plummer. Like he came up with that in the trailer, like ten minutes before shooting. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, I do Southern because yeah, I love ask Larry Hagman. <laughs> well, yeah. well hold, hold, hold on. Right <laughs> to to the uh, to to Looper. It also is like, what's his name from Knives Out? Who's like, what the fuck kind of ridiculous? Right. Like, is that? Oh, that's like that's one of my favorite parts of Knives Out. It's like Daniel Craig is known for not being Southern, and it's hysterical to watch him do this cornball Southern accent. It's very funny. It's to so me. ridiculous. It's ridiculous. It's, it's it, it really kind of distracts me quite yeah. a bit. Like uh, the this is what happens for me. And pl- like Plummer to me, I'm, I'm going to even go further out on a limb. Like I think that Christopher Plummer reserved being one of the great actors of all time until his 70th birthday. Yeah. I, I think that he is genuinely cornball, terrible in almost everything, and then suddenly he's like. No, 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 wait a minute. Why don't I do this perfectly? <laughs> he's in the insider. He's in beginners. He's in like, he just yeah, kills it and kills it and kills it and kills it and kills it. You know, and, what's interesting uh, is, is, uh, 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 that's so funny. There was a Christopher Plummer connection between these as well. Oh, really? Uh, yeah. Well, Christopher Plummer was, wasn't he also in Knives Out? Oh yes, that's true. He is. And he's the, he's the main guy. And I thought that right. the victim in Knives Out. That's right. I forgot about that. Yeah. Yep, that's anyway, right. It's all, but, it's but, all connected. He's also a <laughs> Cut to Charlie not, Day. You can't really notice him, but he's in La Jete. He's a sky cap. Like checking somebody's luggage in. You can barely I, see it. It's black and white. I'll always remember the girl and Christopher Plummer being shot. And that sky <laughs> cap. Like, he said, and he, goes, he says, Tickets, please. Yeah, tickets, please. <laughs> tickets, please. Tickets, no, please. But you know what's interesting? I think I, 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 I can almost think that like lily has watched knives out over and over again that's her go-to film that she watches oh, i don't know great. if it's a yeah, favorite film, but it's yeah but that, I, I, you know I what those that. are I'll you know if you're shot. thinking about it, if you're like 15 years old and you're like oh i really love this film and having she's gonna have that film as part of her memory oh, for sure for, a for li- sure. years and yeah. years and years and, I'm, and i would never great. try to take that away from anybody like I, no. I want to feel that way about that movie and like i feel like there's movies that i know that i love that are actually quite shitty movies that sure. I hold very dear. Oh, we, so we bring like, that up like on the Titanic? podcast. <laughs> <laughs> of course. I love Titanic. That's so not cool back. Uh, but Rich Carlson brings up truly then sound of music, like obviously Christopher. I I'm gonna like now maybe Rich is not used to my like completely oscillating opinions 
I think that Plummer is perfect in Sound of Music. I also think he's perfect in uh, Dreamscape, uh, where he's both corny and amazing. Like, he really meets Von Sydow head on in that movie. He's absolutely yes. terrific. Uh, you know, so, even I, better is Brando Plummer, which you brought Brando up Plummer. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, with Christopher Plummer, like, he is, like, I think he's always delivering the goods, and he's just often in movies that don't support him. And I believe 12 Monkeys is one of these movies where I'm just like, I could enjoy him doing his cornball shtick accent uh, because he's enjoying it if I were enjoying this movie more. Yes. Like it, it would, but, it would but, work but, better. But if Brad I, Pitt, like, Brad Pitt is like, I am, I am doing Brad Pitt's on another level. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and, Brad Pitt's fact, on another level. and, and then I can see that here's the thing, right? When you look at Bruce Willis, he, he's playing a, a, a manic depressive character, right? Right. Ups and downs, ups and downs. He's great right. at the downs. Mm-hmm. Terrible at the manic. Yeah, no, he just doesn't like. He it doesn't. Do he, he can't do manic. Yeah, that's not Bruce Willis. That's not what Bruce Willis is. Brad Pitt can do manic. Yeah, in fact, right? I would say that this was Brad Pitt's uh, debutante ball. Like, this is the debut. Brad Pitt's. What a good did he do movie. before this? I was actually thinking about it. What was River Runs Through It? River Runs Through It. Louise. He was Delman not Louise. notable. Yeah. True uh, Romance. Did, did you do? Romance was right? River Runs That's another big one. That? Let's see. Let's find out. Brad. How do you spell Brad Pitt? Brad Pitt. There. Uh, okay. Brad Pitt. Uh, the IMDb tells us that. Uh, God, I hate how they reorganize this site. It's so bad. Actor. Uh, bring all the way down to. Okay. So, yeah. Like his career goes like this. Okay. He's in a lot of shitty TV. Uh, then he's like in 30 something. Thelma Louise. Uh, uh, cool world is a little bit weird. He does that. River runs through it. California, which was when I was California, I was, like, was interesting. Yeah, he's really good in that. He's still within bounds of like, oh, that's a a good a nice guy playing a bad guy, but he's really 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 great. Yeah. Uh, uh, True Romance is the first time I was like, the fuck is that guy? That's really funny. It's my favorite part of True Romance. Mm-hmm. Uh, then uh, and then Legend of the Fall. Where's Twelve Monkeys and all that? Shoot, where's Twelve Monkeys? Twelve Monkeys Ninety five. So true romance, yeah, wow, it's way up here. He does true romance and seven in the same year. Uh, yeah. Rather, like seven and twelve monkeys in the same year. That's fucking crazy. I put seven. I seven is like futuristic compared. That's to That's a beautiful monkeys film. Friend. Seven is incredible. It's a like it's a that is an underrated film. I think it's a, it's a, like seven. Yes, I, I believe so. I think that people think of seven as uh, a little trashy, and it is a little really. Trashy. But I think that it's actually a deeper movie than people. It's a more clever, deeper movie than people give it credit for, because uh, there's lots of novelty in it and lots of novel visuals and spacey and all that kind of stuff. But I think that 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 is a better thought through movie than that. I, mean, I think it's really all David Fincher. I think the script is pretty good, but Fincher understands that movie at a level that I didn't understand it when it came out. And when you're watching it, I was like, you can see Fincher's development as an artist start really kicking off with seven. by the way when i said do you really think seven is an underrated film i think it's a highly rated film i think it's a good people, film. i, I agree I people, th- people like it i don't think that people think it's like i, I somehow I, i'm not didn't misinterpret the film as being less than it is i misinterpret people saying who thinks it's a shitty film who who thinks it's a shitty oh film? yeah yeah no like people yeah. definitely think seven is a good movie for sure like but in okay. watching seven recently i was like this is everyone thinks this is a good movie. This is actually a great movie. Like I think that there's a lot going on. But anyway, like Brad Pitt definitely hits this run where you like he just sort of 
blossoms as a character actor. And it's and I want to bring this up because like Bruce Willis is the same same kind of person that Brad Pitt is. Like he is a really handsome dude who is cast in leading roles because he's extremely handsome, but wants to be in weird shit. Like that's what he really yes. dreams. That's what he really, really wants. The difference between Bruce Willis and Brad Pitt is Brad Pitt looks like a movie star and is a character actor. And Bruce Willis is a movie star and wants to be a character actor. And that's why he, he doesn't handle the swing very well. Like in 12 monkeys, he's just like, he's playing out of his range uh, when he's playing like that, you know, happy upbeat. And you just go like, yeah, this the feels thing that really, weird. really comes to me is him in the car when they're driving and he's like obsessed about the radio. Like, yeah. like yeah. it's, it's awkward acting. It's just, yeah, it doesn't, doesn't play. It's, it's not his fault. It's, it's just cringy. Yeah. Like, yeah, that's, that's right? Gilliam's fault for making him do something that it's just like, you don't hire, uh, whatever it's, it's like, you don't, you don't hire, uh, 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 whatever, like uh, basketball players to be good actors in Space Jam. <laughs> like you hire them right. to be themselves. You don't expect them to be good actors. Yeah. And I think that Bruce Willis is essentially that. Like there's one thing he totally fucking kills and that's being Bruce Willis. And all yeah. his best movies are he is Bruce Willis, but he's in a weird movie. And so he's a, he's, he lends his movie star uh, uh, in, you know, uh, uh, push to Pulp Fiction. He's still playing Bruce Willis, but it suddenly it, it lends all this weight to Pulp Fiction uh, that Pulp Fiction did not have. It, it's still very good, but Bruce Willis being in it is important for the movie to work, right? And it lends a movie star quality to it that makes it sort of surreal. Uh, and uh, whereas, like, you take Brad Pitt, like, Brad Pitt is, like, so fucking handsome. It's insane. And then he has to slowly let it slip that he's also a great actor. And uh, not until he's like much older and his face is craggy. Can you go like, oh shit, yeah, of course he's actually one of the greats. Like now, now that he's not like a young hot ticket, you can see right. that he's a great actor. Um, and so like Robert it's weird Redford, Robert Redford, yeah, exactly. Same, yeah, Paul Newman, same. Once, Paul Newman, right? Yeah, yeah. He was... Clint Eastwood, <laughs> Clint Eastwood, all these dudes. You I mean like like and I, I do think that he's Steven Seagal. Great old white men are great. I'm, I'm all right with the old white man. I'm also all right with everybody else being great. Like, I, like great greatness is greatness. Greatness is greatness. I'm uh, kidding. I'm kidding. The, I'm dating. But, but the total troll. But the but Robert Redford is a perfect example because like like now it's obvious when you go back and look at his older films, you're like, this guy was fucking great from the from the get go, and he's yeah. kind of trapped in some wonky, semi shitty movies until like you know until the 70s when they discover. Oh man, you can really put a lot put a lot of bricks on this guy's back. Like you make it work. And Paul Newman's the same way. Of, like, yeah, Newman. Newman's just I, I like I just rewatched the Newman verdict, verdict for the 20th time like with you know. Bruce Willis. <laughs> verdict as Bruce Willis? Yes. Like is he is he in the in the jury? Yeah. Oh my god, I love that. He's an extra part. in the back and he's oh, got hair. That's and right. So you told me about I forgot. I forgot. You told me that's right. He is. right. I forgot. I was watching he and I was is. like, I remembered that you told me that it was someone. And I was like, and I was scanning the jury. The, the it was background. the jury. The, 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 and I, it, it's, it's in the courtroom, right? And I was scanning yeah, everybody and I did not. Yeah, yeah the verdict. Uh, people have not seen the verdict. That is one of my favorite movies of the 80s. Yeah. Bruce Willis is a jury member in the verdict. That's a Charlotte Gonsport. Oh, I mean, that's I mean, best yeah, best role uh, ever. Best role. No, I also like the Night Porter. Oh yes, don't like that. Yeah. I like. All right, movie. there's a, 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 a. We are we are kind of at our halfway mark, and 
that's going to take a break and a couple things. Uh, oh, nice. But I do want to continue talking about uh, 12 Monkeys. I don't think I want to describe the plot because I think it's too complicated to get through and we have to get into Looper. See <laughs> La Jete. There you go. <laughs> R.E. La Jete. Yeah. Uh, but, but, there's, but there's definitely things we need to talk about and I also want to get back into Looper uh, for, for the next half as well. Yeah, sure. So, Love it. Um, but uh, so just a couple couple points to uh, for everyone here. I want to welcome a lot of people who have joined us. Uh, some new people who have joined us. Celia, I believe, is, is new as well. Uh, I'm not sure if Judge Judy Slayer. Uh, <laughs> I love the name. Has, That's has, pretty great. Is a new person or not? <laughs> but I would like to welcome Judge Judy Slayer on the podcast as well. Uh, and you know, please say hi. And remember to subscribe to us and give us a thumbs up and and and, and follow us. Uh, on now, it, and if you welcome. do not, if you do not subscribe, then you will be seeing ads momentarily. If you do subscribe, you will continue to see us talking about stuff. That's true. For, for everyone who is not seeing us and they're seeing ads, I do want to say, scroll back. McMonkey Man was kind enough to put up the Errol Morris Miller uh, High Life uh, ads in a link. Go grab. Oh, right. That will fill your time quite well. And yes, uh, it's, it's a much better way up in the link, way up in our chat channel, yeah. but it's up much. There. Thank you, McMonkey Man, for putting that up there. That is, yeah, uh, uh, McMonkey Man, great. if you can put that link back up so it's uh, now at the at you know, uh, in the forefront, that is the best halftime show you're gonna get, right? That's there. gonna it's be just, or you know, what you can also do if you don't want to look at a bunch of commercials instead of the ads we're gonna put up there, thank you, McMonkey Man, you can also go to martinigiant.com. We should put that link up there. Uh, uh, Eric or Dan can put that up there and yep. check out our merch that we have available. Uh, and look at this. Way. Yes. Example of merch I use Example every of merch, single day. The Martini Giant mug that uh, this is, is terrific. This thing. Uh, first of all, you have an ethereal Ac glow behind you, which is kind of spectacular. I know. Um, I look like I'm in AI. <laughs> Some late late period like Spielberg. That's right. You're gonna have five endings, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> talk to some burnt out light bulb people. This is fantastic. Mm -hmm. This is uh go to please go to the Martini Giants uh threadless store. I'll put up the link in chat. This is available there. Some wonderful designs by Eric Shealy. I did get the, the I did get the bath mat, and I actually really like the bath. The mat. bath mat is fantastic. Yes, yep. we saw photos of your feet on that bath mat. I was mm -hmm. very very excited about this. Uh, yep. But yeah, we have mugs there. We have the special uh, Daniel Duck series of mugs. Very important. <laughs> uh, and if you are uh, if you join us for um, uh, uh, watch parties, you can actually get get mugs made from specific watch party <laughs> events. They're right. tailor-made for you. So it has it been happen. it's been several weeks since we've had a watch party. I think we're going to try to do one next week uh, because those are always a lot of fun, but those are great. So anyway, don't want to get too much into it. This is not the end of the podcast. This is just a halfway point. So uh, for those of you joining us, uh, we are going to do a two-minute break. If you are a subscriber, you will not be having a two-minute break. You'll continue to hear us chatting about random things uh, and otherwise go to the store and, uh, or go check out uh, Mickey man's link on the link chat, but I appreciate it. All right. Uh, here we go. Uh, we'll be back in two minutes. See you soon. See you soon. Uh, See you soon. It's Love already it. started. And then I am, uh, I actually, I have to use the restroom, but you guys can continue chatting about, uh, about stuff. I'll be right back. Uh, it looks like my it looks like my cat has calmed down. She's uh, like we are we're we're going to hopefully give away all these kittens to loving and caring That's homes. So crazy! You have that poor. Uh.
it's a uh, lot of kittens. 10 is a lot of kittens. That's an unexpected amount of kittens. And like you, if you had seen this cat when we first saved it, it was like, it was like a skeleton cat with skin on it. It was so, Aww. it was so lonely and scared and, and thin. And we were shocked that it was pregnant and we did not think that that pregnancy would last because of its, uh, you know, if, if it's state. starving state. Yeah. Um, but not only did it last, she turned into a basketball and then, uh, and then, you know, 10 kittens later, here we are. Um, but uh, they are all very, very healthy and we're, we're going to go on an epic quest to, uh, find them some find them some homes if you happen to be listening and you want a yeah. kitten we have kittens uh that uh we're in the la area um and uh if you happen to be in the la area and want a kitten we have a bunch of them and we will drive you it to it, drive you a kitten at any any moment you want uh see i didn't say we we're going to do ads here too but there it is <laughs> kitten ads you did it you did an ad <laughs> there it is there it is but uh, outside of that, what what have you been watching, Eric? What's uh, what's the week been like for you? Um, I have been watching just uh, well. I've been doing a lot of training stuff, and it was a busy week with work and you know personal projects. But I actually started watching that Steve Martin murder in the uh, only murder show. In the building. Yeah, it's cute. Yeah. You know, it's fun. It's yeah, it's fun New York stuff. I dig it. Yeah, I like so, that. So yeah, I totally do. And, and I'm a, I'm a huge Martin Short's fan very of funny. Yeah, I let Martin Short's later stuff. I actually, I think he was really great in um, that P.T. Anderson movie, uh, and I liked him a lot since then. He sometimes he got a little bit over the top for me, but now he's sort of settled into a sweet spot. Uh, the older comedian stuff is good with him, and uh, also it reminded me. I saw the ad anyway. It reminded me of one of my favorite Woody Allen movies, which is Manhattan Murder Mystery. Is it yeah. is it in that same ballpark? Because I it is totally it's totally it's totally that. That's and, awesome. Wow. Um, it's absolutely, uh, you know, I like Manhattan Murder Mystery a little bit. I, I actually more of a Broadway Danny Rose. Oh, you like, I, I love Broadway Danny Rose too. Obviously. Do you know who's a huge fan and has parties just to watch it? Who's it's that? Alec Baldwin. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Baldwin, Baldwin's long been a, uh, an Allen supporter through, through, uh, yeah. through the ugly years. That through we the ugly it years. But, the uh, years, the ugly. Yep. But, uh, but yeah, no, I've, I'm, I love Broadway. I love, uh, uh, we've talked about this. I love, um, uh, uh, Stardust Memories, yeah. which, which is a really sort of bitter film, but talk about Charlotte, Charlotte Gainsborough's in that too, right? Yeah, she's, uh, uh, she's one yes. of the, yeah, one of the love interests and, uh, Radio Diaz, Rich Carl. I know Rich Carl. Hannah. Hannah, her sister's amazing. Great. Uh, but, uh, Stardust Memories has one of the, one of the few moments in a Woody Allen movie that actually get, get gives me like reason to cry, like actually be like startled, is when he is a little kid in his memory, so like he's got a little Superman costume on, and he goes right up out of the shot, just zooms up into the sky. Is one of my all time favorite favorite images. It's just just mind blowing. Oh, what was that? In um, Stardust Memories, Woody Allen mm. movie, uh, there's a there's a scene when he's remembering when he was young and it's very, very short, but he's in like a, it's like little, little kid dressed in a um, Superman, Superman outfit. Costume. And he just goes like this, like raises his hands and suddenly he's just yanked up into the sky. And it's 
unbelievably yeah it's super quick segment uh, as uh, rich notes like but it's such it's one of the it's one of those images where it's like that's in my head forever it's just an, mm. a perfect perfect image uh and uh, uh Anne brought up she's like that image in general really hits you because uh that's also kind of in malik's tree of life when it gets into the really like it's really in the rhapsody of uh Brad Pitt thinking about his mom and uh, it's the cameras just spinning all over the place and cutting and cutting and cutting and suddenly you see this image of his mom like floating in the air in the woods just for a second. You mean kind of like at the end of Looper? And in the end of Looper. Mm. You buried the lead. <laughs> Look at the finale on that one. But damn! Because <laughs> that segment yes. at the end of Looper was insane it's great it's great it i was one like, of the greatest most emotional moments this i i we said it earlier are we back on we're back on yeah we're back we've been okay. back on for a while okay <laughs> so like with looper looper is one of the uh it's the greatest pleasure i have in movies this happened to me with um uh the most extreme version of this is my i've told this story before i'm sure is miami vice no, ah, no, I love Miami Vice from the get-go. <laughs> uh, I love it twi twice as much, exponentially more every time. Um, but uh, Don't Look Now, it's Donald Sutherland and Julie Christie, uh -huh. which is my, uh, my favorite horror movie. I've seen it period. several times. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and like this, unlike when I say it's one of my favorite movies or it's my number one movie, I actually mean when I say, oh, it's my favorite movie ever, I'm talking about 25 movies that fit in the number one slot. Yeah. And they all jock jockey. Yeah. Uh, but when I say my favorite horror movie is uh, Don't Look Now, I mean that movie is my favorite horror movie, period. And that's that. Right. That movie, I hated it the first time I saw it. Yep. I thought it was terrible. Rewatched it and it blew my mind. I didn't hate Looper when I first saw it, but the jump it made from like, you know, pretty good movie to holy shit, this is a really this is one of my favorite science fiction movies that of the past 20 years uh, is really it really really blew me away i was like i've never re i haven't reevaluated a movie so i don't much. know if it's my favorite science fiction movie the last yeah. 20 years but no, I would, it's, no it's one of my favorites but, I, but yeah but you see the problem is you 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 you've you you always overuse your hyperboles and saying favorite there's favorite, too, favorite, too favorite. many i just said this there's too many movies i, I can't say because like, you always say like, like this if, is one of my favorite films it's like you say if i say every fucking time okay to clarify to, to clarify like uh, when i say one of my favorite i have uh, i i i'm it's not it's like when people say you're a thousand percent correct it's like this, that is not no, you're only that, no <laughs> but like the this is the thing is that it is it would be incorrect for me to not say it's one of my favorite science fiction movies of the tw past 20 years because my level of emotion about it is equally as high as all those other yeah, 70, I agree. all those other 70 movies that are in that bracket i agree there with are you. 70, I mean, there are yeah. 70 movies in the bracket you have to understand that i i understand you and you're 250 percent correct and i just 500 <laughs> percent just saying roughly <laughs> <laughs> Two hundred fifty-three percent. That's okay. Yeah, you know, like when, uh, people who have been listening to the podcast long enough know that my number one film is Heat, Alien, Unforgiven, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, for I could talk for three minutes on it. So, like, that's the way right. it works for me. But the level of emotion I have, I guarantee you, for Alien is number one, even if it shares it with twelve other films. Right now, Looper is a thing that I come to the thing that i like about looper is certain films you w keep watching them and they're like they lose their luster right or they're mm -hmm. not as special or they're not as like oh blow you away i think looper is the one that keeps getting better with age yeah. and with, with I, concept 
Right. I clearly must agree with you on this. Yeah. And so there's something a little special about it. And you keep watching and keep watching it. The thing that the reason that it's not as special is that it very much comes off, especially if you've never seen this film as a. Yeah. Okay. So some, some, you know, B level, C level sci-fi film thing happening here. Right. Well shot, generally yeah. good acting. Good, good. Yep. But the plot seems a little thin and okay whatever so you got this little idea that there's an assassin built on based on time travel that's what it comes down to yeah it's just it's 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 the story is they send people back from the from the future to get shot in the past because that way they can't trace them right that's the whole plot of this film in a lot of ways right and then after you've gone through your segment you end up and you've done your your due diligence you get paid for every assassination you do you end up shooting yourself and closing the loop right that's the whole the point. last person you kill has to be you so there's no evidence you so you kill happened. yourself in the future so you know you've got 30 years left in your life and you you have a shitload of money and you're going to have a lot of fun for the next 30 years before you shoot yourself right in the past Yep. Right. Which is that's the relationship between La Jete, right? The La Jete thing is like, oh, you witness yourself dying, except in the, the looper, you kill yourself. You kill yourself, yeah. which is more interesting. Yeah. But there is a little bit of that hinted at in uh, in uh, um, uh, uh, 12 Monkeys because the causality of his death is his own making. Right. 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 But in Looper, it's like you're supposed to kill yourself. That's what you're supposed to do. But mm-hmm. what happens is if you hesitate, there's a problem because you, you escape from yourself. You escape from yourself, et cetera, et cetera. And so then there's the whole causality problems, which are very interesting. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of a cool, I hate to say it, plot gag or whatever that happens. Right. Where you 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 scar your body mm-hmm. in the past to give yourself a message in the future. Right. And now this is where, like, if you see people that don't like this movie, this is what they pick on because it. Uh, they're like, that makes no sense because you would remember, you know, like, you would remember it also, right? Like, if it's scarring your body, it's gonna scar your mind with the memory of it happening somehow, right? right. Like, uh, but this. This is where I'm going to say the thing that I love best in Looper is that this makes this doesn't make any sense to me, and I actually prefer that. Yeah, like I'm like, because like the I I am, uh, and I think we are all on board for this. I don't like that having movies make sense has become some uh, way to judge whether no, there are any because good. look at what the fuck happened with Star Wars. Yes. Like, I don't want these to be explained. We have I don't to explain metaphorians or whatever the fuck they are, like, right? No, you don't have to tell me how the force works. I don't want to know how the force works. Right. <laughs> it's perfectly fine if it makes no sense. And I don't want to know what's in the fucking suitcase in Pulp Fiction either. Yes. Never, right. never, never, ever. And the thing is, like, the, the and, like these things, I mean, because we also talked sort of about the, the opposite end of that is uh, the J.J. Abrams black box concept, which is like, there's a thing in the black box. You never tell the audience what it is. Like my argument against Abrams in that particular sta- statement is that 
JJ, you have to know what's in the black box. Like that's why his movies get wonky. Is like he has a black box, but I don't think he knows what's in it, and that's why the movie kind of movies wobble all over the place, right. you know. But the with this, like I I don't understand what is happening or why it's happening, but I I'll, trust I'll you, that it's yeah. happening. <laughs> I will tell you. I'll give you a perfect example of why. Like you don't want to know what's in the thing. Like uh, the director's cut of uh, of the abyss is terrible oh, because he explains the what the fuck is going on <laughs> which you should never have done. oh god oh it's like everyone wants to see oh let me explain what's going on oh like, wait no. that's the explanation this that's is worse terrible <laughs> this is worse yeah like because i think the, the abyss has problems like it's not a perfect movie it's got flaws yeah but the but director's cut is the director's so cut bad. like everyone was so excited that they explained all this shit now it all makes sense i was like why the fuck did i want it to make sense i want it to be good <laughs> yeah it's the it's the don't show the monster situation again, oh yeah right it's, brutal, it's better dude. whatever is in your head and your imagination is always going to be so much better that's well this is the best way to put it right it's like it isn't because like they're like we've talked about it before where it's like you take a movie like the thing the thing explicitly shows the monster all the time, right? Mm -hmm. So it seems to go against the idea of don't show the monster. But actually, what the movie is doing is the monster of the thing isn't the gore and the creature. The monster of the thing is distrust. Everyone else. <laughs> it's you do not trust people. And, you yeah. and what it is not showing you is whether or not you should trust them. That's why the movie is working, is you do not know who the fuck the thing is at any point in the movie, you watch right. all the way through the movie. You still don't know who is the thing at any point in that movie. Right. You know, you don't even know in the end if Kurt Russell is the thing. That's why the movie is scary. Like right. it, it maintains that scariness because it maintains a, mis a sense of mystery. And with Looper, because they don't explicitly explain why these things are true, it leaves you with the with the puzzle, with the emotional right. puzzle of why this is true. Well, so so here's the thing, right? You start you start Looper off, and Eric, you know, you can jump in anytime. But you start Looper off with this, with where it's like, okay, so it's a guy time travel kills a person from the future, kind of get that, and then it's the it's a dystopian future, and these guys are making a bunch of money, and they have a club that they go to, and uh, oh, and by the way, there's this new kind of people that are that are telekinetic. This all sounds very b-rate sci-fi yeah right yeah 100 yeah. yep and you sort of start this movie with like all right whatever <laughs> but right. you know what you're sitting in it's a saturday a matinee kind of Fun. thing like whatever okay i watched this i watched cherry 2000 i'll watch night of the comet <laughs> you know nice, nice pull <laughs> right That's you know i'll watch i'll watch any yes. of those things and it's like you know it's fun or whatever you know i don't have to really <laughs> I don't have to really use my brain too much. I'm just going along for the ride of this whatever experience, right? Right. And then suddenly you're thrown into a couple of loops. No, no, not don't want to you're use thrown, that part too much. Thrown for a loop. Thrown for a loop. But you have Jeff Daniels come in and he's like, fuck, this is a powerful character, right? Yeah. And you have, great, and you have one of my favorite Jeff Daniels performances. Uh, really I mean, powerful. Well, no, the one he did with Joseph Gordon-Levitt that I love from the 2008 or nine. Uh, I think that's his best. Which one was that? Oh, God. I, I have the script. Squid, Squid in the Well? No, he did the one that I love so much. It's the heist film. It, uh, oh, oh uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's right. I forgot that also has Levitt. It's, uh, it's, uh, I, I forgot it has him. It is uh, The Lookout. 
the look the out, look out. out yes love that great. film yeah, it's one of my favorite films daniels yeah. it's so damn good right right but yeah that like daniels comes in and he's a he is like to riff off of your b movie concept like he is the he is the, the legit actor that comes into the b movie to ground the b movie a little bit yeah like there's but then, yeah. but then but then you're like you, you if you're watching this fresh without any concept, you're like, oh, oh shit, fuck. That's Jeff that's Daniels. heavy. That's yeah. heavy. And then all of a sudden you're thrown into exactly as Eric pointed out earlier, you're thrown into his relationship with the stripper, which yeah. makes sense, right? Suddenly, suddenly, like that's a powerful thing. Oh, mm-hmm. you're not that important. No, this is a weird film. That suddenly it's like this is like a Scorsese film. This is a yeah. strange thing, right? This is mm-hmm. 70s and then all the setups with the people the action like the groups and gangs it's matrix when they're in the, they go into it and they see on the tv and they're trying to break everything was shot like matrix on certain things which throws you yep. off because right. outside world it's shot like a western right right and yep. it, right and then but the but the the front end is very not i mean like it's the kind of schlock that i enjoy but it's schlocky sci-fi like right. that's, yeah. the, that's the setup Right. And like, and as we said earlier, like the progression of relationships with women in this movie is really interesting because yes. like, like it goes from like uh, the stripper really likes me. Right. To, and this is no insult to uh, either strippers or waitresses or anything like that. But like, uh, there's a, like people that hit on waitresses. I was one when I was Chris. young, like, uh, like that yeah. says like, there's that says something about the guy a little bit. It doesn't say anything about the, the waitstaff. It says something about the guy. Um, and then it moves on up to eventually, uh, like there's and there's Bruce Willis's like uh, disjointed but truly loving uh, relationship. And then there's the fully grown up person relationship with a kid uh, at the end. And it's not like relationship relationship, but it's the emotional connection with this. Well, person. also, also there's the. There's the illusion of mm-hmm. true love mm-hmm. that Bruce Willis has yes. with his Chinese wife. Yes, absolutely. Which is also slightly under. Do you think yep. they did that whole it, sequence just because they got funding from China? Oh, I'm sure Maybe they did. Maybe so. It is one of my favorite sequences in the movie. Though. Like, I think I'm sure right. they did. I'm sure they did. And I liked, I love, I loved uh, 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 Jeff Daniels' line of like, Go to I'm from the learn future. Chinese. I'm yes. from the future. <laughs> <laughs> I'm from the future. Learn Chinese. Yeah, it's brilliant. And I think like the I, I agree with you. Like it's a little product placement for China, but the sequence is fucking terrific. It like, makes yeah. sense. Yeah. Actually, that's one great. of the like it's one of the things that like listen, there's a lot of times where like I was commenting at that time, it's like, oh, you're shooting a bunch of stuff in China. So did you can get this filmed in China without, you know, the text not the tech credits, but the actual rights to shoot in China. Right. Right. But with this one is like actually the, I'll, I'll buy that one. Yeah, and like it totally fits. Oh, yeah. I mean, like it expands they are. The, it, <laughs> like yeah. as as he goes forward, like it, it's the it's the mechanism by which the movie expands its it, it grows up. Like right. it's like once you do that, you're like there's a progression for this person as a person. And you can right. see how like how he's changing and how he's failing to change and why this is like he has not yet attained the self-actualized level that he needs to and uh and uh and to show that by expanding the world by expanding your view of his experience is sort of brilliant and uh by the punchlining it with the fucking you know the 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 amish cowboys like that's when i was like 
what where is this movie like what is going on now yeah because who knows what the fuck china looks like in 30 years yeah (laughs) it's like this is this is definitely like and like the and the mechanism itself is very terry is very terry gillamy like you're just like this is we're we're now in a whole different movie right now and that's when uh the first time i saw it i was like i don't maybe he's just throwing things in the grab bag but yeah. now when I've seen it again, I'm just like, this feels but yeah, very listen, you start, I, 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 I don't know what it is, but look, I'm wearing my real steel t-shirt right now. Nice. Right? That's an unappreciated okay? movie. Uh, and, and also an unappreciated film. When you start a sci-fi film with a truck or something driving through cornfields, mm-hmm. there's something going to be special about that film. I don't know what it is. Cause that's what happened on real steel. And I'm gonna end Interstellar, by the way, which I'm Interstellar. Yep. Right. Yep. That's true. And Perfect. also, and also, uh, uh, this film because this film starts also, also. Thunderbolt Lightfoot. Yeah, that's the best sci-fi. That's, in not, the a, 70s. that's not a sci-fi <laughs> film. Okay. I know the, the gun that George. Your but you're absolutely right. You're right. Maybe not just sci-fi, but you start something with cornfields and crickets, right? Yeah, if there's something right. special about that. Americana. <laughs> If you start your movie with a uh, with a uh, uh, a trunk full of rabbits, you're in a, you're making a good movie. There's only one example of that, but you are making a good movie. That's true. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Eric's with me on that. I guess trunk full of rabbits sounds like a Buck <laughs> Owens like uh, kind of cover band. Is that? But we, okay, so we've come up with two band names. Two one band names. Brando's plumber. Brando's plumber. Opening for truck full of rabbits. Brando's plumber. Brando's plumber. Yeah. That's it. That's it. I think. Okay. Now I'm going to make a request. I want either a truck full of rabbits or a Brando's plumber uh, band mug. <laughs> That's right. That's At the Levius Woodsy's Bar and Grill. <laughs> Off Interstate 22. <laughs> well, but listen, th- can't this be like a concert movie poster? Like, opening? oh, yeah. Yes. Boom, boom, boom. Like, yeah. Levius Woods. At, no, at Levius Woods, as if it's like a. That's no, the, at Levius Woodsy's <laughs> bar and grill. That's yeah. Amazing. I would definitely buy this. Trunk full of rabbits. Trunk full of rabbits. Yeah. Opening for Brando's Plumber. Brando's Plumber. I think that's a good one. Uh, yeah. Like we'll this. get it together. We'll get it. Well, let me get happy. We'll get for that you, movie for you in the happening. chat room. That's right. Yeah. But yeah, no. If you I have think anything that, to offer on, on chat group, please let us know. Yeah, I think you do. You're onto something with the like. There is a sort of uh, technology versus the natural world element to that image. That I think that that's why those filmmakers go after that. I think that right. there's like plowing through the net, like wholesale plowing through forward through the, uh, something like really iconically natural. So uh, and 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 when it comes down to to effects, and listen, this is interesting. There's I'm some good effects have, in there. Yes. Yeah, yeah. There is there well the ending of the film is some of the best effects mm-hmm. and honestly you know uh, some of the stuff that Scanline does now is 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 pretty is is good mm-hmm. uh, and they're they're definitely a great uh, VFX company and they're oh, yeah, actually they're, Paris, for sure. they're they're on the they're they're growing to the level where Scanline is now ilm size honestly speaking oh for sure yeah uh and that's amazing but back then they were sort of the underdog cool cool kids in Mm -hmm. in a lot of ways um and when they did looper and they did that end sequence with the cornfield which is the big thing that they did that was so well executed and so understated and served the plot so well which we've so well, forgotten in every other movie since we've then. forgot <laughs> since then that it was yes. not about the effects it's about the plot and the story because listen her performance of calling out to her kid and calming him down 
amongst some of the most powerful effects in the world. Yeah. And the effects so are secondary. Well, and the, the effects, effects are brilliant and they're in the background. The, yes. no, they're not secondary to my mind. They serve the story. They well, that's why they're secondary. More, like they're, it's like, yeah. a, like having, having a supporting actor is there to support the actor, like yes. the, the, the primary actor. That's the whole idea. Like so the, well the effects done. are all over the place. They're brilliantly done and you're barely paying attention to them because what you're really paying attention to is the emotional statement that's happening. And the effects right. being brilliant adds to that because you're so, buying so, into So in it. my mind, that cornfield sequence in Looper and the train crash sequence in uh, just uh, in in Super Eight are oh, like brilliant. some of their best work. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Best work. And those are early days. Now, listen, they've done great work ever since then, and and uh, and and probably better in terms of effects work. But in terms of how the effects serve the story, which yeah. they're not necessarily in control of, I right. know that. But in terms, they they do great. Oh, uh, the other one, the big fucking tidal wave thing that they did. Uh, with the Clint Eastwood film, what was that? Oh yeah, yeah, that's a that's really well done too. That's really yeah. well done. Anyway, right, so I'm just gonna shout out to to Scanline for that. However, for sure. I do want to note that the visual effects supervisor on this film is someone who I have you know not necessarily spoken very well of in certain cases, when because she was also the VFX supervisor on uh, Day After Tomorrow. Mm -hmm. uh, same person, uh, and uh, I'm gonna. I'm going to say it's like, listen, she did a good job on this in terms yeah, of what she sure. actually was supposed to accomplish. Yep. She did a really good job. And I think that that is definitely needs to be called out. That's Ken oh, for sure. Just did a really yeah. good job on this. Yeah. The, the problem, the problems with the after tomorrow are, are political problems. over that. Political problems yeah. for yeah. sure. But I think maybe because this film was going to come in a little under the radar, she, she didn't have to deal with the politics or right. whatever. Yeah, Maybe that's probably it. Just be great oh, she because she also did freaking you know Green Lantern, which I'm sure was riddled with political problems, and that yeah. was a terrible that's, visual effects that's, thing. That's how you end up with shitty effects because like, right. almost almost always, like when you see bad effects, bad VFX, political movie, problems. It's political problems. The people that you're hiring are great at what they do, mm -hmm. like almost universally. Like we've worked throughout the industry at all sorts of different companies, yeah. and I've rarely you never work with someone who's shitty like you always work with people that are great maybe they're hard to work with yeah. and that's a problem but shitty work comes from shitty pro producing and directing and writing shitty decisions being made. shitty decisions being passed on down and you end up with the one the last one to kick the can that's how you end up with yeah. the score well i guess that's what i'm gonna do and you literally and you, you can imagine how painful that is as an artist where you're like you're being asked to make it look shittier yeah, really? It's, it's hard. Yep, dude. That happens all the time. Yeah. yeah. And that's why, like, because you now, and I'm not going to, because there's lots of nice work in, for instance, Black Widow. Like, there's lots of great effects work in Black Widow. Uh, but you have to, like, the production decisions, like, uh, like filming an entire scene at a, like, uh, like, it's a, like at, at, a, at a picnic table, and it's all green screen. I'm just yeah. like, why the fuck did you have artists working on that? Why is like a, like a thirty? Why don't you just part? fucking film it at a just picnic table? Film in a fucking picnic table. <laughs> like, like, what are you doing? Like, I mean, now, like you have to have like you had to have at least seven or eight artists dedicated to making the background of that picnic table all the time. You're just like, what? What are you? I mean, I don't know. Maybe there was something that I remember. Maybe, the guy worked. I wasn't working on that trip. I was designing amazed. a drip drips of rain or, or showers coming down Ben Affleck's back in fucking uh, 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 Daredevil like, for like 15 days. <laughs> 15 days he was tracking Ben's back. Like, holy shit, get a spray bottle. 
before you say no, why why is that though why, the, because why they that? because the makeup person fucked up and they couldn't get the 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 the, the scars right on his back right and he went once once the water went down on his back in real life or in the shoot work. you yeah. couldn't see the scars so it's like oh well we'll just add him in cg so he spent 15 days tracking this guy's back yeah two weeks of yeah. one guy going pixel by pixel you know tracking a back which is dripping wet, which has to be done manually because there's no tracking markers on a back. So we're just yep. like this this pain in the ass thing is like, oh, okay, now we have better accents on the scars. Yeah. And the thing is like now, this, this was a long time ago. Now we could solve these problems a little quicker, but still right. it's very expensive to it do says, like, these that decisions. Is bad, that's just bad management. That's just bad time management, bad management. And then what was it for? Daredevil with yeah. Ben Affleck that's, that's that no one news. saw. This this is so it's so constant, and the thing is, like, I think we're I think we're starting to come out of that phase, but like when we were deep, really? deep in it, start starting to very very like very like mainly because oh, like man. it's Marvel City right now still. Yeah, I know. I think I think that we're like I think that as Marvel is going to start scaling its stuff down, I think it's inevitable. I don't think they're scaling down at all. Really, I think no. I think that, I think that they they have to. I think that if they don't, no, we want them to. But that's yeah, you and true. me and Gen X, right? Because yeah, I was fair. just talking to, I was just talking to someone. She's a, you know, she's more of a, a, a you know, a, a Gen Y or a millennial, and she's like, that is all of filmmaking is is basically, uh, uh, you know, that's it. It's Marvel films. All of her films Everything. are Marvel films. Every that's single it. thing. I know. She's yeah. like, oh no, all the movies I like are like. Thor Ragnarok, I saw Black Widow, blah, 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 blah. Like, that's it. That's that's the entire film this, industry well, is, the thing is Marvel. Right. Yeah, and the thing is, I mean, like... She this doesn't is, know this... that there's films called, like, movies or, like, oh, you know, I've never seen uh, this That's kind of... Yeah, I mean... Well, be before we get too old, many about it, I think this is true for everyone. It's fine. I, that's I that's think it's, life. I, I think that this is, I don't think that this is as generational as people make it out to be. I think we have all bought into the way that this shit is made now. And I think that's like there's most of the people that I love Marvel that I know that like worship Marvel are in their 40s, you know, and like they like they are dedicated to this and they like they've never seen, you know, Blue by Kierzlowski like that. They've never that's not even across their fucking minds. Yet they're just like, oh, you know, I really love movies such as everything that Kevin Feige ever made, <laughs> which is great. The thing is, like, I, I also have said I've said it before. I love many of the Marvel films and I think they're super awesome and I think they're absolutely worth their time and amazing production unbelievably fun great stuff but the we have allowed ourselves as audience members to let this turn into literally everything and, and I, don't Al, think, Al, I don't think Al, that's millennials i think that's literally everybody alan's question is do they have an exit plan and my theory is no <laughs> well don't yes worry. they do they do have an exit they'll plan. have to their have exit one. plan is I'm going to make enough money that I can retire and they don't have to deal with the exit plan. Yeah. This is so the personal exit plans are like, oh, yeah, I'm going to make so much galore. money and then I can just move away and, 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 you know, buy my, buy my freaking house in Kauai. And right. that's, that's where I live and that's done. Right. That's the right. exit plan that there, there is no exit plan for the movie industry anymore. Right. The movie industry is fucked because yeah. of Marvel, honestly. Yeah. You think uh, so? Ah, in some so ways. The, 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 I'm just getting pissed off about it. No, I, mean, I get. I, 
I get it though. I mean, like I, I get it because like the thing is like I'm not like I'm not against the, I, like like I said love Marvel movies. I love big ridiculous movies. It's great. It's like I like I don't think that's bad to have Marvel movies. I think it's fantastic. I think that, that our method of consuming these things has sort of made the studios uh, make decisions that have limited our options, and that's on us. Like the studios are just a money making machine, and they're going to adapt to our choices. Yeah. And so like the, like right now it's like, it's like when we, when you realize, oh shit, I'm 350 pounds. I wonder why. Well, it might be all the Nilla wafers, maybe. And then you don't go fucking Nilla. What a shitty company. Like Nilla is just making wafers, dude. You're the one who's stuffing them in your mouth. I, I think, right. yeah, but I think <laughs> like, blaming, blaming the users of cigarettes for the cigarette addiction. You know, like, yes, like, like there's, there's the blame going problem. around. Like yeah. the cigarette company is going to try to convince you to smoke those motherfuckers. But yeah. it's not like people in the 40s didn't know that they were bad for them. Of course they did. You're putting smoke in your lungs. Like, that's probably a bad idea. <laughs> you know, so like Marvel films, I like Marvel films are the cigarettes of film, but like they, like we, they have, we have uh, continuously given in to this stuff to the point where it just fills out almost everything. And that's what right. we use culturally to talk about everything now. And I think that's a little limited. And I think that that's on, that's not on millennials and that's not on Gen Z. That's on me. That's on you know, people in my age bracket. Because well, we're, we're making the, ones, the fucking we're things. We're the ones making the films. I want to get into, I want to get into uh, uh, how, how Looper changes its tone. Mm-hmm. By the uh, way, I just want to point something out. Yes, yes Eric. Go Hi. Um, the 12 Monkeys cost $28 million to make. And it made 168 million in the theaters. I think Looper cost 31 million and made 180. So right. their ratio is pretty close. I was that's kind of, interesting, yeah. but also a lot later. When was when was uh, when was uh, when was uh, uh, Looper made? What is that? 2012. 2012, approximately. That sounds about right. Let's find out. We're 2015. No, I don't think it was that late. It is earlier, I think. It is yep, twenty twelve. Yep, you're right. Right, twenty twelve. It was probably one of the last things I uh, watched before. No, yeah, yeah. No, that's, my yeah. boss at the, my current company, he worked on that. He did a lot of the yeah. stuff. Really, really, but, yeah, really nice yeah. Stuff. He did some beautiful work. But yeah, no, you're you're right. Like the uh, this was the beginning of like margins got pretty thin past a certain point, where it's just mm-hmm. like there's you know where you have these movies. Movies were costing more and more and making less and less and it was getting tighter and tighter and of course the executives are still like you know half the budget is going to line their pockets there was a there was i a, think we have a gatekeeper problem more mm-hmm. than anything in hollywood oh my god no we have a it middle stinks. management problem middle management yeah. there's too many fucking people in the way yeah right now yeah too many people in the way and they're all playing the game and the fact is they've indoctrinated all of the talent to mm-hmm. buy into it yeah yeah to the point where the talent is like why don't you just fucking make your own film and release it and they're like no and that's mm-hmm. not no <laughs> uh-huh. yeah i know no. no they don't understand I, i'm dealing with a specific guy who's like the system works this way and it's all corrupt and blah 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 blah. it's like well then just change the fucking system and he's like no but that's the but, system th- but that's the system <laughs> that's the system i'm told i have to do is like no, it's why don't you know, I'm actually it. having a conversation right now. It's like, why don't we just release everything as NFTs and do mm-hmm. that and then like yeah. fuck the system? And they're like, 
No. But you can't. But you can't. It has to go through the lawyer at Paramount. It does not. And my agent (laughs) and the other agent and that agent's agent. Nope. And then they all have to get paid. None of that has to happen. (laughs) Does it? That's the that is one that's like giant. Let me ask you something. Of does a YouTuber have to deal with any of that stuff? Does no. Mark Rober? I mean, maybe no. Mark Rober does have like, an agent. I don't know, but like, but like, yeah. if you if you walk in the doors of any studio, like you're essentially seeing from one door to the exit door a row of dominoes called middlemen. Like right. that's it. Like there and is they're all the... losing their jobs. Yeah, because they don't have think a job. About, well, well, the, Eric, weren't you telling me how many people at uh, William Morris and, and, and CAA. Uh, CAA lost their jobs during the pandemic? Yeah. A fuckload yeah. of them, right? Like none of yeah. you do anything. <laughs> like you don't do anything. It doesn't yeah. require you to be here. What are you doing? You know, my budget and, is lunches. <laughs> yeah, my budget is lunches. I mean, things. I mean, like we've all. I mean, like we've all done this. Oh, like, uh, I paid yeah. for a lot of lunches. Yeah, I'm, like this I'm is, guilty of that. Too. In, we've we've all been in this scene. And the thing is, like, when you're going and pitching, say, a show, Eric is familiar with this. That when you're going and pitching mm. a show, right? Like when you're pitching to people, most of the people that you're talking to are paid to say no. That is their only job. Yeah, like that's it. That's what they do. That's all they do. They're just there to st- they just fill a suit, and say no. Well, or, or they or they're paid to, to get a yes bargain long deal. Enough. Yeah, exactly. Right. To make it's you feel like, oh, string you along to make you feel right. good, like people, but people get the get, best, the most, the le- make you make the least money out of it. Right. Because like you'll be brought in as far as you make a portfolio for them. Right. Right. And they're not going to actually make any of these fucking things. They just want you to be part of a group to say, like, look at all these yeah. delicious pies I sell. And they're only going to sell the one pie. Right. You know? but, but you're just you're just laid out on the table because they're in the business of looking like they're in business. I'm going to tell you something. Here's <laughs> an interesting it. thing. Here's That's an interesting thing. And this is related to this. And Eric, uh, uh, this is going to be interesting to you. So, uh, and I don't, I don't have an NDA with them by design, but I did do some uh, interesting uh, looking uh, or, or actually spent some time talking to the guys at Disney uh, Research in Zurich, right? So uh, they specific, the guys who I did the interview with who are great guys, uh, they said, do not sign an NDA with us. We will tr- give you a tour and an idea of what we do without the NDA. And they basically told me like, do not sign an NDA, right? Because <laughs> wow. that's that really based on what they do, really, really can fuck you over. I'm like, and I, listen, and you guys have walked into studios all the time. We sign NDAs like they're tissue, like putting your name on a checklist at a right. at a at the yeah. reservation, like the wait list at a yeah, table, wait, right? Yeah, exactly. Right. Right. So so we sign NDAs all the time, but they specifically mean do not sign the NDA. We have to tell you what we do without the nda and that's an important part of it their job at disney research in zurich in a lot of ways or disney research in in general is to identify things that could be important part of their intellectual property portfolio right yeah right interesting yep okay they are not necessarily interested in turning anything into a product just part of their research. Now they did an amazing research there and it's not necessarily a product. That's not what's interesting to Disney. What Disney wants is to say, Oh, identified IP. Let's guesstimate the value of that IP. Mm-hmm. And that goes into the value of the company. 
So they're just inventing things and saving things yeah, and not doing anything with it. Right. Right. And yeah. it's like owning a bunch of patents basically is what it yeah, is. Yeah, It's like world-class patent trolls. That's like, that's, well, that's they're not patent good. trolls because patent trolls are saying, oh, we have a patent and we're going to go to someone else and say, you can't do that. Right, right. So that's not necessarily uh, what, you know, what's going on. But anyway, so that's what Disney research does. And they're like, they, they are definitely centered around things that happen that are identified. So they'll, they'll say, oh, here's a thing that's popular in Disney cruises. What <laughs> can we identify? Like, I'm not kidding you. How, how do we how do we make this into something we can own? Well, how, how it's like <laughs> so oh, much okay. shrimp? People eat so much shrimp that they actually throw up by ten o'clock at night. So Copyright. what if we? <laughs> You're not far off, but they're looking at it as like oh, they buy souvenirs of princesses. What if we could three D print themselves as a princess and sell that as a souvenir? Right. That's right. a patent, right? Right. So how do you take a picture of someone and mm -hmm. turn them into something three D printable? Boom. That's an example or right. something, right? So so that's the kind of things they do. But they do like all kinds of hair stuff. They obviously did a sure. bunch of work on digital humans. I worked on them with them on digital human stuff uh, with their eyes scanning and everything else. So that's the intellectual property that Disney does. It's really fascinating. Uh, and actually, I was like, they're super nice. I love well, I'm sure, Yeah, like I'm not trying to bash anything that they, like those people are doing, but no, it's interesting. The, the mindset of brilliant Disney is, work. The thing yeah. that bothers me is that all of that brilliant research is kind of buried behind the, this is something that's not actually going to be used. It's just there to give, to line the pockets of the shareholders. Yeah. This you is know what I mean? This, all this stuff works. I mean, this is like, it's like with um, like, uh, 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 like with any um, production that you're going to say, you know, when you get a tax break in so-and-so, you know, whatever, right. wherever you're shooting, like almost all of the money from that tax break goes to single people. Right. Like, yeah, like that goes to a producer. So like Georgia gives, you know, the production a tax break, the money that that's generated there that's not being spent on the movie. That's being spent on yeah. the producer of the movie. Well, and just just look at credit. Just go through credits as we always did. There's now a big section of credits that is a bunch of accountants dealing with tax credits. Yes. That's literally. That's to legally part, protect the fact that they're fleecing people. Like, because these well, things are largely not. I, it's their I do. This was, um, this was 10 years ago, but I had VFX souped the film about 10 years ago and the producer who's well known um, that kind of budget range of two to $15 million films, mm -hmm. he basically, and I'm sure maybe they don't do it now, but back then he was block buying credit uh, because it's a lottery. So he was block buying um, positions in each like Michigan um, for tax benefits and then reselling them to people. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. This is the kind of stuff. And like, and the thing is like all this stuff no is joke. like, I was like, that's like, I think it's man. great that, like, that people in like, it's great, great that uh, Vancouver actually is like, you know, like there are people that live there because they make movies and that's great. And so like, there are like solid places where this happens, but for a lot of the, especially in VFX, there's a lot of race to the bottom attitude about this stuff. And that, mo that, that money is just going towards 
you know, like just bribing individuals, like, and that's why they 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 redirect this stuff. And I think yeah. that the and like all the stuff that, uh, like the all these bloated costs about making movies, as the margins for those movies in terms of box office get thinner and thinner and thinner, like I don't have to be a fucking you know business major to know that that's not sustainable. Right, like that doesn't work. <laughs> oh no, we'll solve the profit margin problem by basically reversing that and going and, and just getting tax credits. Yeah, which is ridiculous. Honestly, there's a graph that I saw where the whole thing of like, holy shit, movies were making a ton of monies, and then it flips, uh, happens right around the abyss. Yeah. I believe it. Right. Believe, so, yeah. so, so Jaws made a shit ton of money and they had a bunch of expensive effects, but nothing compared to the abyss. Right. Yep. Once you get to the abyss and once you get to the Cameron t style of thing, once it, once it get, crosses that line, yeah, crosses exactly. that line, that's where that line sort of happened in a lot right. of ways. And so yep. the abyss is really where, it, and, and it, somehow they magically go back and forth. And every now and there's a film that, that really breaks out and makes a shit ton of money. like oh, get sure. out. There's or ups whatever. and downs like, in the stock you know, market too. Sure, like, sure, yeah, sure, sure, sure. Fair, but yeah, but people yeah. are people are willing to spend you know Waterworld type money on films, right. and and that's you know that's not going to work after a while. And you yeah. can't. No way to make <laughs> Excuse me. You can't solve that by like oh we'll just make the film thirty percent cheaper by filming it in Vancouver, because nope. eventually the people in Vancouver are going to go. Wait, what are we paying for? You know, what? like and, yeah, and exactly. that's how's this or, working for us? Or people in Vancouver are not gonna say that and someone's like, Oh, I'll pay thirty five percent and they all leave Vancouver and it's like, What the right. fuck did we all we all did I thought they said they were gonna stay here. They're not gonna yeah. stay here. They're not gonna no. stay there. No. Yeah. So so they're all gonna go to Montreal and then after Montreal they're gonna go to the next fucking city. Right. And everyone's right. gonna start realizing it's not worth it. And the right. film's going to collapse. So, and not, I mean, and not to, not to mention that, like, it is easier and easier to make great-looking material with way smaller crews. Right, like Lajoté, like Lajoté, yeah. like <laughs> man. There it is, comes back around. But yeah, that's that's the thing is that, like, ultimately, like, it is within reach of uh, of indie filmmakers now to make stuff that looks yeah uh, great, and ha they because they're cheap, they have more artistic freedom, like. That's where the shit is now. And I, I you know, and you, you brought this up before, Dan, but like honestly, like the the, the heroes of, of, of filmmaking are not necessarily gonna be the the Marvels and the the executive producers that live in Kauai making decisions. They're gonna come from TikTok. They're gonna come from They're gonna come uh, from TikTok, YouTube, yeah. Right. That's where the filmmakers are. That's where that's the filmmakers and they're are. gonna make some very creative decisions that are yep. gonna put it out there in that way. And I think that's gonna be interesting. I don't yep. they may not necessarily make the same amount of money. They don't care. The, the, the film, and I don't care. Yep. They don't, <laughs> like they don't said, care. We, we shouldn't care. Like, make great movies. Make the right, that did not make a shit ton of money. Right. Uh, right. But that doesn't matter. I'm going to enjoy the experience either way. And that's yep. thankful. So, because that, like, this is the, like, La Jete, like, you know, today would cost literally zero dollars. Like, you probably have all the equipment in your house with your phone in your alone, pocket, in your pocket <laughs> to make La Jete. Yeah. Right. Do you have the artistic fucking chops to make La Jete? Find out. You have a phone. <laughs> like, that's where right. we're at. But know? people, La Jete is a TikTok, if you really think about oh, it. Oh, absolutely. That's what I'm talking about. That's exactly what I mean. It's like, La Jete is... is a TikTok that yeah. is like, it's, you know, if you think about it, it is, it is literally a TikTok in a yes. lot of ways. I'm telling a narrative in short clips. And TikTok and is going to have story. that kind of breakthrough. 
TikTok and will have that breakthrough. It 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 has had. Yep. I mean, there there are probably TikToks out there that could rival Lajote. Oh, I, I totally agree. And the thing is, what I mean by breakthrough isn't like someone's going to do something that well. Someone's probably already done something that well. We just don't know right. about it in a popular sense the way that we. That's the problem is that that like suddenly like if everyone has the ability, technical ability to make Lajote, mm -hmm. then the problem is how do you find Lajote? Yes, exactly. Coppola, oh, when his wife did the documentary on Apocalypse Now in the 90s, he basically right. said some girl in Idaho is going to make it with just oh, a yeah, small yeah. camera. Yeah. And the thing is, like, this is yep. like, I've had a exactly, debate about Eric. this very thing. This quote I've argued before is like the, like, Coppola, like, Coppola said, you know, but like, it's going to be so accessible. Everyone's going to be making, you know, oh, finally artists will be set free. And then the argument against that is like, well, where are they then? Where's the 70s filmmakers now that everybody has cameras on their phones? And I'm just like, because the same percentage of people are great artists, like, like, you know, it's still like, there's only a few truly great artists in the world at any given moment, right? And everybody has a phone. So the chances of great artists being discovered uh, when you have everybody making stuff all the time, makes it actually harder to find the great artists. The way to, like, they have exposure, they have places to show this stuff, but it's to get seen. And the solution to that isn't on their side, it's on our side. It's hmm. on, it is on looking for greatness. Like, it is in fielding that stuff and talking about it. It's in, uh, it's in creating, uh, you know, a dialogue around movies that looks for inspiration instead of defends bad choices, right? And so all of this stuff, like, movies being shitty isn't the studio's fault. The studio is a money-making machine, right? Movies being shitty is our fault. Like, we have so to So Marvel is our fault. Marvel is our fault. Yes. Oh, no, and no. Yeah, 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 because we fed the machine. Yes. Like, we were asking the machine to make Twinkies. And they were like, I can't believe it only makes Twinkies. Well, ask it to make something else. See if it does. Yeah, I've like, never that's... seen a Marvel movie, so I am not part of there, that. There are dropping. very, very You good are not movies. part of the norm, my friend. Yeah, but like, okay. there, there's, I love there's you a, for it. There's a set of Marvel movies that I could recommend to, to you that you would go, oh, that's a really good movie. Like, if you just saw it, side unseen, I'm, I'm, like, just not, I'm, I'm just not doing that because there's a certain amount of life seconds and time in a day I, hear you. And I, hear you. I can't you'd rather watch that. something different i understand well and, no and it's not even i want to do things that are different i just do things that i like oh, oh motherfucker. Um, <laughs> i have to pinpoint you know i have i have six bowls of in front of me or you know five chihuahuas which one do i throw in the river right right and yeah. like the one behind me and so, uh, but you just have to pick because you can only do so much. And I feel like it doesn't really contribute. It doesn't really make you go to oh, the area. And that's right. why there's so much TV out there and stuff. You have to be kind of like, does it fit where I'm trying to go? Well, and this is what I say. Like, man, my podcast like ours, that's why I'm glad that we spend so much time, like, just trying to talk about stuff. We talk about the big movies or whatever it is, but we bring up stuff that people have not seen. Like as part of almost as part of like yeah, it's our like running gag. Up. There's yeah. other shit out yeah, there. Yeah, just just expose yourself to stuff, whether it's old, whether it's new. Like expose yourself to stuff, right. so that when people like so that becomes part of the dialogue, as opposed to like ninety percent of film Twitter is rehashing the same arguments, defending your position on whether you are allowed to like something. That's a giant waste of time. Like love stuff, share the stuff you love, and Doesn't that's going to open. Yeah, like open this stuff up that's how stuff gets fresh that's how like you know the studios go like oh shit you want new stuff they want to make money so they'll make new stuff 
Like they will turn it around if you want them to turn it around. But yeah. right now, the like the power is in our, is in our hands, and the studios are still trying to make Marvel movies. So and, like, I'm gonna I'm gonna diminishing I'm gonna, returns. I, I'm gonna try to figure this out. Based on what you just guys just said, it's like the good thing that we do with our podcast is we 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 take things that are like you think you're seeing you're seeing something and then we suddenly turn it into oh you should also experience this. Right. That's exactly what happened on Looper in the third act. <laughs> yeah, that's right. In fact, like, let, let's shout out very quickly to chat where Rich Carlson just said when the selection is so narrow, you can't even begin to know like uh, folks can't even begin to know what they like, right? Right. And uh, really well put, Rich. And like that's like that is like that's what happened to me watching Looper the first time. I was like, I don't know if I like this, you know. And I was just knocked off the rails, right? And now I come because back you and go, get like, something completely <laughs> different by the time by the time you get to what's her name, um, um, uh, uh, Rebecca De Mornay. No, nah, close, but also <laughs> from Sicario. <laughs> Rebecca De Mornay from great. Sicario. Uh, Emily Blunt. Emily, when you get to Emily Blunt's sequence, you're like, mm -hmm. what? What just happened? I'm yep. watching a completely different film. Whole different film. Whole different film. Whole and, different and film. One, and not only that, like an old school John Ford movie. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know, just like Western <laughs> out of nowhere, which which she, they you would never be able to do if you didn't do all of the movie before it. Exactly. You it can't just start with time. this. It brings you back in time. Like you're literally, I would say, even more than a John Ford movie. It's a, it's like a Bud Bedecker movie. You know, like yeah. this is like this is a real dyed in the wool mid fifties western yeah. right down the pipe. You know, and it's fantastic. And she is so good. She's fucking great. I didn't yeah. know who she was when I saw this and knocked me out. Like right. she and like if she were bad and the kid were good, then it would be awkward. But they're both great. Like she makes the kid better. And, the, and it's just like the, the whole kid thing. is stupendous, yeah, but we explodes. all know how kid actors are, right? Like, yeah, they, the kid actors, they're, they're, they can deliver beautiful things, right? But if the rest but of the movie, you, should, they, but you have to do it with a good supporting cast yeah. and you have to do it with a great director yeah. and, 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 and a lot of patience, a lot of patience, yeah, but his love for her and his love, her love for him is yep. is is resonant and and i think the thing that i uh that 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 really uh makes this more powerful for me maybe this is one of the reasons and this is something that happens you know when you i saw this film before i was a no wait what, what did it came out 12 right so i was Just definitely 12. a father when it came out mm -hmm. um but the more the longer you become a parent and you see things with kids. Oh, kids, yeah, kids look different in films after yep. you become a parent. It, it so. affects, like, yeah, I, like I came into fatherhood late, and mm -hmm. uh, it was uh, after this movie. And I think you're probably right. Like, that is a, it's a different experience for me now, mm -hmm. and uh, and it's uh, and it's really really impactful. Like, like the, this dude was on the things that I had not understood yet. Right, especially dealing with things like honesty. Mm -hmm. right? Exactly. Exactly. Like, how do you, how do you, when the kid asks you, do you kill people? How do you answer that question? Right. Like, you know, if my kid says, have you done drugs? How do you answer that question? Right. You know, those are things that you do. And some people lie and some people don't. He didn't lie. Right. Which was a choice that you saw him as an actor <laughs> mm -hmm. doing all the facial expressions. Do I lie or don't I lie? Yeah, exactly. You know? <laughs> 
because that is a choice you have to make when some a kid asks you a very blunt question and suddenly this film is it goes from a sci-fi film to like holy shit you know it's impactful and then yeah an, family, an emotional character drama arrives and, an emotional and, character drama is entered the chat yes yeah. and and you're like how do I go from like, I was just watching some stupid things about guys who are like spinning coins in the air yep. and, and, and doing stupid stuff at, at nightstands and, and they're, and they're, you know, assassins right. to I'm here now. Right. And that is exactly the, and you're right when you said it, but like, that's exactly what the journey that the, the actor is doing. Yes. How the fuck did I go from, how did I end up here? How did I do this? How did I end up like going? How, how am I an adult now? <laughs> how did I go from this douchebag character <laughs> right. to being an adult having right. to maintain the relationship with a kid? Because the entire tone of the film changed at that yes. moment. And this is like this is what I didn't get the first time. And I definitely I, I'm 100 percent in agreement. I'm 600 percent in agreement with you on this. Oh, hey, <laughs> I'm 433, Chris, and I really want you to know. I mean, by the way, can I just sideline ADD? Hit a it, week yes. or two ago, you asked me about exciting painters. Mm-hmm. Man, yes. the, I found a painter. She is so young. Hit okay, it. she's attractive, but her style is so. I'm like, what's the name? Alice. She's Swedish. I just Instagram uh, sent it to you guys. Her style is so great, and she can Holy paint shit. so well. And she is Let's so beautiful. Up, yeah. She's like, got. Oh, whole... shit. She's great. Wow. She's great. And yeah, she's beautiful. Click, in chat, click on that link. Yeah. Holy man, moly. She's such a great artist. She's like 28. She lives in Sweden. Look I mean, at she... that style, man. Oh. Uh, that's, that's terrific. She's terrific. Isn't that? That's so exciting. That's so exciting. I fucking love. Isn't that? Art. Look at that. Like, <laughs> that's so oh, damn God, good, man. It. That is, he is really so something. good. Everybody in chat, for anybody who's not in chat, who are we looking at? Who's that? What is the name of this artist? She's, uh, this is Alice Herbst. Yeah, uh, she's so her. Uh, Follow her. Instagram. Yeah, follow Alice Herbst on Instagram. Look that stuff up. That's really stunning. Really but stunning. But the whole thing, like she's an amazing painter, an incredible palette, and she's young. And then she looks like, 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 a, like holy moly, she's just beautiful. Like in a in a very kind of not it's just not even a sexual way it's just she's just a beautiful uh, yeah, she's, image yeah, she's swedish what are you gonna do Everyone yeah but she's beautiful. so damn good at a painting it just blows yeah. me away i think <clears> it's because in sweden it's illegal to hit children so maybe that's why that may so be beautiful. true or maybe yeah the videos of her painting she's got a great palette you know it's so funny uh, her, man. i went crazy over this it. and sent it to a painter friend and he's like oh my god and then he was looking at photos earlier he's like whoa <laughs> I was like, yeah, yeah, exactly. But it's amazing. She's very young and gifted, and it's good to see that. I'm, I'm, I'm I'll add with that. I'll add to the add to that. It was like one of the, you know, as on my Instagram, I post a lot of pictures of flies uh, that I, Uh, yes, yes, yes. And then there's the, I've been followed by a bunch, and I can't find their Instagrams as easily because I'm not that good at it, especially on my PC. But anyway, uh, uh, followed by a bunch of, uh, uh, of uh, uh, Nordic uh, fly fishermen, women who are like amazing fly fishermen. Yes, and and, and I was like, it's like oh, somehow man. like there's a, I have a following of like we need, you know, five, we need a link on this. Six, yeah, yeah, of five or yeah. six women, and they're they're I'm not 
they're they're badass fly fishermen. They show their well, t- their flies. Like, if and, they're yeah. Nordic, that's it's just part of the that's yeah. part of the scene. Like I don't think you're allowed to be anywhere in that region without also being hardcore at fishing. <laughs> there was a funny there was a funny post I saw today, or it was like this week or whatever. It was a a a a, a, a letter to the Norwegian. Uh, from the, from the Norwegian government to its Norwegian citizens that are specifically that are traveling abroad, saying that they discouraged them to traveling to countries with underdeveloped healthcare systems such as the United States. Nah, oops. <laughs> <laughs> what <laughs> could be true? It's true. It is true. Yeah. Anyway. Really? All right. Yeah, it was pretty funny. Um. Uh, but anyway, I want to get back to the third act because I think that one is quite quite tremendous. Um of of the the action uh, actors and the, and the people involved the kid is first of all he's a he's the right age right so yeah uh he seems almost a little young for 10 because yeah he looks more like eight he more looks more like, like nine and a half yeah yeah yeah, yeah. 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 He's, he's definitely younger I, I think that they like it it adds a certain like weird character to him like that mm-hmm. this kid is obviously like just as a as an actor is extremely weirdly skilled for someone so young right yes uh uh, i think that they've also really designed like they cast him perfectly and by that i mean like it's the like child actors are sort of like it's the bruce willis thing we were talking about before like i'm not going to ask that kid to start doing hamlet but like they recognize what he did well and then built the film around that like this is what the kid does Let's and they make also sure we support gave, that. gave Gordon Levitt like the, the face, the, the, the Bruce Willis face. Yeah, yeah. The Bruce Willis face. But just so you know, because of giants like Scanline, actually right. the little boy was Bruce Willis. They they scanned him. He did the performance <laughs> and, and and youngified and him. They youngified <laughs> him. That's, that's a new plugin. That's <laughs> right. very funny you brought that in. I thought it was Lola who did that, but uh, uh, but no, that's a very funny you brought that up. But I w- actually, I'm glad you did say that because today we would have tried to literally just try to make a younger fucking Bruce Willis with facial capture oh, of insanity of course, and yeah. ruined the whole premise of performance. Yeah, because like the, of the, the glory of like... I would say the top of uh, bad CG, like where it became art. You guys haven't seen this, but if you see the last two Twilight movies, you will see, you will see the horrific bottom level of Dante's Inferno of uh, CG children. (laughs) Like you, like, like never before, like never, ever before. And it yep. becomes astonishing, and this is what this these that like they avoid all of that. But it's just like you don't know how deep the the rabbit hole goes until you've seen yeah. the full Twilight Saga. <laughs> but I do uh. I do appreciate the fact that they took like two good actors who did a re- and by the way Bruce Willis really this was a good Bruce Willis role as opposed to what we were talking about before on Twelve Monkeys, right? Right. He actually could do this. He dealt with the drama of what he had to do in the right way. Oh, he's, right. he's perfect. Yeah, he knows how to, like, this is totally in this range. And he right. does it super, super well. Plus, I want to give him extra credit because not only is Joseph Gordon Levitt, like, uh, playing uh, Bruce Willis, Bruce Willis, <laughs> like, he's he's upping the Bruce Willisness of it, right? Uh-huh. But I believe that Willis is identifying what 
uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt is doing well in that and yes. playing to it. He's at, he's mm-hmm. helping him emphasize what that is, you know. Yep. And so it marries all of these. And I think what he does really well is is Bruce Willis is like, you are an older version, but not necessarily a more mature version. Yes. Right? Yes. And that's and that is the thing that is the dilemma of this whole thing. Mm-hmm. While you have aged, he has matured because right. of his encounter with this woman, which he so, would never have yes. had unless he broke the loop. Right. Which is the whole point, right? And and so you have these like it's like what is awesome in the movie is the most mature person, uh most mature male character is the, the child, child. <laughs> like that is the gene like they once, make, once i get make... that like i'm like all right this this movie is fucking. by the way awesome. i don't you guys there is a lot of you know when films are made there's so much going on but uh, the reality is is that the director who's i think a great director actually wanted to use frank oz in puppetry for the young boy, <laughs> go for and, it because he loved he loved the third uh, Star Wars, and yeah. from the early right. '80s, and he I wanted would... it like it was it wasn't shadow puppetry, but there was it's a lot of puppetry and Frank Oz was Bruce Yoda. Mm-hmm. I am your Give me a bar of gold. <laughs> yes, bar of gold. <laughs> it's like wait a minute, I think it falls apart here. <laughs> Yeah, I would personally I would like the uh I would like to be played by if Frank Oz ever comes back and plays uh another character like that, just replace instead of using Yoda, use the uh um use uh what is it, Beaker from the Muppets. That was I will the best. T- I will take Beaker seriously I love all Beaker. the time. <laughs> if Yoda Beaker came out was like, so good. I'd be like, yes. That was my one of my <laughs> loved speaker. Dr. Bunsen Honeydew. And, and yeah. <laughs> that was great. I can stuff. get behind that. That's all right. That we can do. That yeah, was for some reason stuff. Beaker became a nightmare character for Lily when she was a child. Which I strange. can see that. I can understand yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> I can understand that. He is a uh, I think she had a dream when uh we 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 had you know you remember when you used to have those little bamboo shoot things it would grow out of pebbles and stuff like that oh yeah yeah, you know, yeah. That, like they would sit in you know it's very decorative whatever we had one of those in her bathroom and she remembers herself as a child going into the or dreaming that she was a child and she went to the bathroom and the bamboo shoots as you can imagine straight things with a bunch of furry stuff on top turned right. into beaker and so it's like uh, going, bah, 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 and oh, like God. started talking yeah. like beaker and now I'm gonna have nightmares. She freaked out and she yeah. had nightmares about it. Yeah, for, I understand that. Time. That makes a lot of sense. It's very true. Yeah. Anyway, probably shouldn't <laughs> talk about my child's nightmares uh, uh, in uh, on a, on a podcast. But anyway, yeah, they're gonna describe that information. Like, what that's terrible parent. Terrible parent. <laughs> yeah. Yes, I am. Okay. Uh, from chat, Anthony Rosenbaum says uh, Irishman is unwatchable uh, for me because of the age work. I'm right. I'm sort of on that side. I'm sort of I do agree. I, like I think, the, I think what I love the fact about like. They saw okay. So when people's like, "Oh, we have to do all this de aging and digital, and have to be the same actor," you know, like fucking Will Smith, Will Smith fighting himself himself. himself. Guess what? Himself. <laughs> yes. Right. Like you don't have to do that. Nope. Jordan Goodlevitz and Bruce Willis played themselves, and right. you completely bought it, it as part fine. of the plot. <laughs> it worked fine. I would. And all I he would... did is just make his nose a yeah. little. I was like, oh, okay. I'll buy that. That's weird. Right. It's a little weird. Get used to it. It's fine. 
but yeah, in the in the Irishman, like I like I I think eventually Netflix is probably going to buckle and like re-release like a special edition where it looks photoreal, old, you know, like young De Niro and all that stuff. But even then, I'm just like, I wish this was an, a different actor. Like, just have it be a different actor. It's just fine. have it be a different actor, yeah, like they like, did in Godfellas, freaking Godfellas, uh, Goodfellas, Goodfellas, yeah, Goodfellas, Goodfellas, yeah, Goodfellas, Godfather, Godfather, yeah, yeah. I'm sorry, yes, yeah, so we were both making the same mistake. Yeah, like exactly. <laughs> like De Niro was the young. Don Corleone, and I didn't have right. problem. Like, wait a minute, how come it's not Marlon Brando, the plumber, in this movie? This doesn't make any sense. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. No, doesn't make any sense. Anyway. Yeah. That, yeah. That's that's that. I think that, that this movie is a. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna have to revisit this again now that I'm once I get over my shock and just watch this straight through. Of Looper. Of Looper, and mm. uh, and see where it places. But I was. This is a a genuinely uh, nice surprise. It's one of the best surprises. Yeah. And the third act, which is unbelievably powerful and so well mm -hmm. done, could not happen without you getting you there. Which yep. really, if you think about it, it's like 25, 30 minutes of the mm -hmm. movie. Yeah. Right? Yep. About the same amount of time as La Jete, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, true. but but you you put it you put it together and you're like, oh shit, this is it. Here's a question for you. What if like they, you know, we have this time limit to fill asses and seats, right? of two hours or a buck 45 what if they said you know filmmakers start just doing an hour this, you know? this is what streaming is going to be right this is what yeah is. just do an hour if you think oh you my can do god it in an hour. oh my god i'm sorry i have to interrupt uh Wait, monkey, Man's monkey man put a quote up there <laughs> and it's a literally a marlon brando quote and the quote is would people applaud me if i was a good plumber Whoa! <laughs> what? I have a feeling that the story you told Went comes from <laughs> that story, Eric. Uh, I don't know, man. No, that was Sam Raimi's brother. No, I, I believe that. I'm I saying, think it's just, I'm awesome. saying, like, if Marlon, Marlon Brando probably came up with that quote based on the experience that he had that he with had. Sam Raimi's brother. That's it. Yeah, that's With Raimi's brother, Sam. Or Ted was the Ted. guy that used to come by. Right. I never met Ted. Sam, but he would tell stories of his brother. They were his brother's That's, super gifted, and Ted's a super nice guy and gifted. But yeah, I know what you're saying. Yeah, like, okay. yeah, that, that, that's that's the source story for when Marlon Brando later said Marlon Brando's like, you know what? I could be a good plumber, but no one would applaud me. Yeah, god damn, dude, that's a good point. But that's you know what's point. interesting? I always was like, I can't believe the plumber. Every Did time my plumber leaves the house and he unclogs my drain, I applaud. Well done. Well, the stand <laughs> standing out. Bravo. But bravo. why didn't he want to hang out with him more? I thought it would have it been like, oh, my God. Yeah, come with me. You know, he's like, nah. <laughs> it's just, and I remember telling it to my mother. And she's like, that's why he's still a plumber. <laughs> yeah. That's right. Trust yeah, me. That's right? Right. When, that's the, right. when, the, when the floors in my bathroom stop flooding, I applaud the plumber. <laughs> exactly dude take that marlon brando yeah when i when i throw cheeseburger wrappers over my wall <laughs> yeah. that's correct that's correct but yeah nice uh nice, nice i'm glad we finally got this one together this has been this is like yeah we, 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 the like of, the yeah. fact that we would talk about looper and a, a significant part of it involves marlon brando as a plumber hey, comes so. into this as it, like this is 
this Something is the things, these are the things that you get out of martini <laughs> giant i'm just want to say that like you know this is a, not just like going through the numbers and talking was what happened in the court of oil yeah, you know what if you <laughs> if you listen to you know behind the artist whatever crap show that was i'm sorry i'm just de demeaning it what's his name the, the artist studio guy oh um uh yeah he died too um did he die yeah, James. Uh, James Lipton. James yeah. Lipton, right? Yes. That was a little pretentious. Uh, I agree. I enjoyed the show, but yeah, like James Lipton, like this is—he's not kind pretentious of here. We're yeah, trying not to be. Listen, Lipton, I mean, if we're pretentious, send us a tweet. Say you guys are pretentious oh, because like I'm sure we'll, I'm sure people agree that we are pretentious. But the thing is, like, here's my—I want to say my piece <laughs> of pretension because certainly, like, I'm, I'm I have been called pretentious a zillion times, and you're all correct. <laughs> like, yes, of course, you're absolutely correct. Um, but like, the thing is, like, what I—I I think that pretension has been mixed up with psychophantic <laughs> or uh, or or blow or totally bloviated you know it's just like james lipton i enjoyed james Lipton's stuff and there's lots like but like he would pitch a question just like i have this to ask you of the genius carrot top <laughs> like buddy who are you performing for just ask the fucking question like yeah. i know you're yeah, playing this Spielberg. you know but, i i think that he he was actually a great interviewer and got some incredible material out of him but like there's sure. a there's a he didn't have to gild the lily and he often did that was the only problem and i think that, i that, want I, something a little bit between him and uh uh what's his name chris uh, chris farley when he's like in senate live when he's like oh it's, uh, it's so awesome that you're yes, here. you know exactly. like 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 just so, like there's something where the person uh, can feel like a human being and not yeah. necessarily overly right and well, un, like just, because just, this this is the yeah. thing right it's because like uh i am i am i movies are my whole goddamn thing like that's what i love that's your, that's your love that's, that's your my, my great love and like whatever kind of movie it is like i want to be able to express my love for that whether it's uh like uh, you know bizarro russian art film or whether it's fucking die hard or whatever it is like mm -hmm. and i think that um that if you are honest about your love for a thing then that's going to come through like if you right. honestly love it and it fucking moves you to tears, you should say so. And it's not pretentious to love something. It's not pretentious to cry over something. Like the well, the only thing that makes things pretentious is when you're bullshitting yourself or when and when you're bullshitting an audience. Like like give it your give it your goddamn all and do the thing. And if people love it and have a real reaction, then you're doing it right. Like that's how to do it. And sometimes people will be like, sometimes people use the defense of pretentiousness, like, oh, that's pretentious, uh, because they are afraid of being seen as fools for liking something. And I think that that's a problem. Mm. And it and it works both ways. It works with both uh, uh, super arty films, and it works with like you know like blue collar movies. I know. Like I don't want I don't want to be seen as the kind of person that would like jackass. Like, who fucking cares, man? If you love Jackass, love Jackass. Jackass is funny as hell. If you don't yeah. like it, don't like it. Don't worry about it. You know? I, I agree, and I'm not afraid to to like Jackass. Uh, I, I'm not afraid to dislike La Jete. Uh, yeah, I, I do like both, actually. But, uh, well, I like La Jete a little bit better. Yeah, uh, it's okay if, if Jackass but, isn't your thing. That's But fine. at the same time, you know, here's the thing, right? So so I was, like, I, I mentioned this earlier. I was having this conversation with with uh, with this person, and she mentioned how she loves Marvel films, and that's, like, her mm -hmm. definition of films, of what she likes. Right, right. And I was like, 
oh fuck that uh, and then i felt pretentious for right. saying well, that thing I, I have done i've done because the same i'm thing. angry about it because right. i'm not getting the stuff that i want and like right. okay she's getting what the fuck she was she's getting the cheeseburger yeah, she was frustrated it. And I'm right. frustrated because I want something different. Maybe when I you, want when, they, when you also yeah. love cheeseburgers, like you also love cheeseburgers. I do like cheeseburgers, but I want a right. fucking chicken sandwich every now and then. Every now and again, all you're all you're actually upset about is like you want a full menu, right? And it's all fucking. But to her, all she knows is that. <laughs> what do you mean it's a full like, menu? All I know is cheeseburgers, and I want cheeseburgers. <laughs> There's like pages of cheeseburgers here, you know. Yeah, and, and like the thing is, I mean, like, I and I felt bad because I make it. I made her. I made her feel bad for 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 liking Marvel films, and that was that yeah, made I, me feel I, bad. I've made this mistake a million times. I, I think it's a mistake. I think it's good to own up to it, and I've made that a million times because right. you get like you get upset about this thing, you know, like you're fucking. You, there's right. a thing that you love and you don't get a lot of that. And so you're pissed that somebody else has got a lot of the thing. And then they, they're like, like, it's like when people say it's just like, you know, we, I mean, listen, we do that all the time. And that's probably why we don't, you know, have that many viewers on this podcast. Cause we, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's how it goes, dude. Hey, like McMonkey man says McMarble burgers are delicious. And they are, they are. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm a, I'm a huge fucking uh, winter soldier fan. I'm a, I'm a huge Ragnarok fan. Like I, 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 I like there's a, there's a, there's a whole suite of Marvel movies that I think are absolutely. Well, here's the thing that's interesting. And Rich is like, the problem is mistake is that, you know, uh, basically Disney has got all the IP. Uh, Sure. It's true. Uh, You know, who, you know, doesn't watch a lot of Marvel films who are like, yeah, it's fine. They move on. My kids. Yeah, no shit. Right. The the, the next generation. My kids are not, are not, they'll watch it. It's part of popular culture. But it's yeah, not their it's, actual it's, interest. That's what I'm saying. The Marvel wave. Is their interest is their interest is TikTok and YouTube, right? Yes, 100. That is that, and strangely, every now and then, their interest is old stuff, like oh, old comedy. Like Brady yeah. loves comedy. Like suddenly yep. that's his thing, right? Frazier. So, he's now fa- podcast famous for his love for Frazier. He's podcast famous <laughs> for his love for Frazier and and stuff like that. And actually, now he's getting into other things, like. He's getting into stand-up comedy and like things like that. And that's cool. That's- oh, dude! Like I'm and McMuckman. I'm sorry if this is uh, if this is uh, too personal life, but I happen to know that a member of your family who is on the younger side is a Michael Mann fan. <laughs> right, right. So, like, the, 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 of a generation that uh, would uh, uh, that you would not think is a Michael Mann fan, and he is a Michael Mann fan. And I'm like, that's exciting to me. That's people discovering things yeah. that is that's new to them, and as is, is as exciting as when it was new to me. You yeah, know, but there's things awesome. like like, and, and he said, you know, Thief is his favorite, which is also interesting. But I, I do yeah. I think, like what kids are watching today is not what we think they are, like. Mm-hmm. Like there, there is a mark that Disney is hitting that's going to hit the twenty to thirty year old yes. people, right? Yep. But they've completely missed the other mark, which yep. is a freight train of denial that's about yep. to hit them. I completely wow. agree. I completely yeah. agree because I mean they're they're looking at like they're all their it's like it's like they're holding they're looking at their hand and they got like Marvel and Star Wars and they're like oh we got this fucking table in the bag and it's like yeah 40 years worth of content. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No you don't. We're not playing poker anymore guys. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're like playing guys. a different game exactly. over here. By the way, Disney has this huge um debt 
Yeah, that's how they from operate. buying all that stuff. I think they're like four, five billion in yeah. uh, yeah. uh, leverage. Well, listen, my, my, my daughter, my daughter is like all in anime, right? And so the Absolutely. number one thing right now that's happening in the number one import, the the what's the the year over year uh, compound annual growth of anime is twenty three percent, which is yeah. huge. Mm -hmm. That means every year anime uh, uh, interest grows by twenty three percent. Okay. And that is a lot. That's not a fluke. That is over a long time of time. The number one import of anime is the United States, which is a huge consumer of entertainment, mm -hmm. as you can imagine. So, and that is growing exponentially. All these kids that are all making references to anime characters, all of them, mm -hmm. all of them, right? And so, do you know who knows this? Netflix. Yeah. <laughs> Netflix right. is buying a shit ton of that stuff. Also, by the way, I just saw there's a trailer out now that was made by what's the guy's name? Um, uh, crap. Uh, Miyazaki. Miyazaki. Yeah, yeah. Miyazaki Studios. What's the uh, 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 Studio Ghibli? Ghibli. They just yep. did a whole thing, a Star Wars thing. I was like, yep. Okay. So that came out as a trailer mm -hmm. and I showed it to Lily. I was like, what do you think? She goes, looks beautiful why the fuck are they doing star wars yeah, it's it's star like, wars for christ's sakes <laughs> it's like the whole the point not fuck no no she didn't say the f word but she's like uh uh, uh and so it's like uh, the whole point of anime is that they are uh it's 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 the genre that's important not mm. the franchise right Right. right. Anime is uh, and it's, it's a genre specific, right. not franchise specific, right. because the, the 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 if you make it franchise specific, then it's the same story over and over again. Right. They are interested in the genre, moving them in different ways and creating different narratives. And yep. you can't do that with a franchise. With a yep. franchise, you have to deliver the same fucking hamburger over and over and over again. again. Right. No, like yeah. like anime is it has the ability to. Uh, to be mercurial about what its content is in a way that uh, that like studio films don't at all. Like the studio films right. are locked, and uh, and 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 so that's the, like to to cut to the point of what you're saying. I think is, is Disney's business model is bad, and it's not going to work. Uh, well, really? Oh, yeah. I think it's working. It's working again. Now. It's working, it working and, now. and again, all those executives are going to retire with a nice big house in Kauai and go surfing. Absolutely and, true. And that's nice and there fat golden parachute. Absolutely. There's so <laughs> they, they are they are they are producing golden parachute after golden yeah, parachute that's, right that's now. That's what they're about. That's what you know, about. and sure. and 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 uh, what's her name? Uh, oh God, um, Who's the big executive producer there on all the Marvel stuff? She used to come from DD. She was a producer at DD. Uh, and she's now like a big shot executive producer at Marvel. She's going to have so much money and she's going to go. And yeah. just take off. God bless her, man. That's yeah. amazing. That's great. Yeah. Like I, I feel good for, I feel good for individual people like that. Like that just absolutely. Like maybe and go make some money. That's great. But in terms of like where we're going, like, like, don't expect I like for the, all the movies that Marvel outlined. Like, and maybe this becomes the worst sample from this podcast. But I, I think that entire giant block of things that they put up, like, look at all these movies we're making. Here's Marvel phase, whatever it is. Like, I bet more than half of that uh, that w was meant to be theatrical turns into TV, and a third of it is never heard from again. 
Huh. Like, I think it's, I don't think it's going to last. I just don't think yep. so. Like that is, that is old fucking hat. And, uh, and, uh, and the, and the idea of, uh, going forward without, uh, recognizing like that the bulk of your audience, uh, could care less <laughs> is a bad business plan. <laughs> well, yeah. And I think honestly, it's interesting. I didn't really think that this podcast would go this way, but like, you know, if you if you think about what we started with with Lajete, like, oh my God, this is, movie is so important and taught in every film school, et cetera, et cetera. But really, is basically a TikTok of what it, we have today, right? You know, and then thinking about what this means, you know, in terms of also even just uh, a Looper, would Looper would not be made into a theatrical release today. It would actually yeah. just go to Netflix, which yeah. actually is just fine, honestly. Yeah, it's totally like, fine. Totally, totally fine. fine. I mean, like, but, I, whenever I argue for watching things in movie theaters, because I, I like seeing things giant with good sound. That's why. That's why. Sure. I like but but also, I think that they there's there's just things are going to get lost in the crowd, just like all the TikToks mm -hmm. and all the other stuff, because so much content. How much stuff is like? It's like twenty five hours worth of content is uploaded to YouTube every second, right? Yeah, it's so, crazy. Second. So so. More than that, you know, I think, and I, I I consume it. Yeah, for sure. And I consume a that, lot of YouTube. If we if we want things, because I don't think that like you know, uh, TikTok and YouTube don't like they're not even like in competition with what we think of as movies. Like movies aren't going to go away. No, the competition like, for your attention. They're competition for your attention. And like my uh, what I what I would argue is I think it's good that these studios collapse. I think that it's good that movies get smaller. I think it's good that the bulk of stuff is made for streaming, you know, that right. I think that like that movie theaters as a business, like their business model is fucking terrible and they should reorganize themselves around what will make them money at that scale, which is a shitload smaller. And right. then, then you, then you're going to have things that are made for movie theaters for people that like to go to movie theaters and they will be happy and they will pay money for that experience and they will get the experience they want because they're with people like them. Like that's yeah. a good business model. It's also one, you know, it's like one tenth of the scale of the business model they're currently operating on. Like yeah. you got to yeah. miniaturize all of this shit. Like movie theaters aren't going to go away, and streaming isn't going to, you know, collapse to YouTube or something like this. But everyone's got to stop pretending like this is all the same shit. <laughs> like it isn't. No. That you can't. You can't. You can't. You can't. Like theaters are not going to sustain. Marvel movies when you can get that kind of bullshit action on your giant screen TV. Uh, Not going to make any money that way. You know, and TikTok to bring it all the way to what you're saying is like, and if you're looking for the new La Jete, which blew my mind when I was a kid and changed my entire outlook on film, like one of the most important movies I ever saw, uh, then look to where the artists are going to come from, which is TikTok and YouTube. Yeah. Right. And that's where you're going to see the shocking new shit. And it's our responsibility, like certainly directly for us, to recognize that and point it out when we see it. And it's everyone's responsibility to point it out when they see it. So it breaks the lock of fucking Marvel movies on this stuff that we have access to. Like that's how we get the this. new fun shit. I'm, well, I'm excited. Listen, I, I'm, I want to apologize for getting all ranty about this stuff. This has been on my brain for a little bit and I've been, I've been struggling with it because I want to, I want to be someone who creates stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, I want to be a, a filmmaker and a film creator. And I'm thinking about, you know, what that means. Well, 
I am and, and, and where, where the new roles are. And I don't, they're not in yet another, you know, black widow. Secret, <laughs> no right. More, no more fucking black widow, please. That's all I ask. That's all I ask. Listen, I was like, this there's is nothing wrong with black widow, yeah. but right. like, we have a black widow and we're right. done with black widow. Right. Yeah. We had La Jetée. Oh shit. We remade it. That's right. Oh yeah, crap. Right. I just yeah. blew that away. Right? And the thing is, not, yeah. For instance, like I, I like if you love Black Widow, love Black Widow. Absolutely. I have not. There's nothing. I'm not going to say anything against that. But what I want is not wall to wall Black Widow. Like when I'm talking about Black Widow is in the movie. It's the yeah. When seventy five percent of seventy five. Look what's coming out in the box office post pandemic. It's like right. we're just going to eke out like one Marvel film at a time. Yeah. Oh man, this is just brutal. The theater system is fucking broken. The- the way right? the way that it exists does not work. It should go, and it's only there <laughs> to like just barely just. It's it's a sad, sad world. Right, right. <sighs> no, but I, I still like, want to see films like this. I still want to see films like all three of these films in different forms. Right, absolutely. Experimental, flawed. Whatever. What's going to happen to the theaters? Uh, I think they're going to get small. I think they're becoming. They're going to get Starbucksified and sort of like miniaturized. And I'm okay with a Starbucks theater. Oh my god! Yeah, absolutely, be it'd be fucking great. That'd be great. Yeah. Like I think. That, I I'm think. I'm tired ticket... of the twenty-five dollar popcorn bullshit. Yeah. Like I think it's like. So now you're going to pay twenty-five dollars for like a lollipop cake. Pop cake. No, 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 no. no. I like, tell you what here's... I want. I want it to be part of my Amazon or Netflix subscription. Is I can go yeah. to the theater and 100%, see one hundred percent, one hundred percent. I want to like. I want to be able to go to it. I like. I and I'll pay for a beer and a burger. Yeah. A good. And I want. I want everyone. I want it to be relatively not not crazy and like I can't expect it to be crazy and expensive, but I want it to be manageably affordable as opposed to like taking the family is three hundred bucks. You know, I want it to be lower priced and more like. Uh, I want the people that go to it to be attracted there because they want to be at a movie theater rather than being kids dropped off at a mall with nothing better to do. Like they're not having any fun and I'm not having any fun. I'm trying to watch fucking, you know, whatever, you know, some, some new movie and half the crowd is looking at their phones. Nobody wants, you don't want to be here looking at your phone. You could be out in the mall looking at your phone. It's fine. You know, like bring it all down to people want to be here. They pay to be here. They get movies that they like in this place with people that also like these movies. That's a, that's a, that's a smaller experience and it's fine. Like yeah. it doesn't have to be a fucking amusement park every single time, you know, and every once in a while you get Dune, you know, and it, it, it and it blows out. It's crazy. That's what it was. That's what life was like before jaws, you know, yeah. like you, like you had uh, movies made much less money and occasionally you'd have a special super hit that was a cultural landmark, you yeah. know, Lawrence of Arabia, 2001. But in between there, you know, it's the tall T. If anyone's seen that movie, it's great. I know yeah. Rich Carlson has seen the tall T. <laughs> See, yeah. he, he, he applauded the Bud Bedecker comment I met earlier. Okay. So we got to kind of wrap it up, unfortunately. Uh, but, uh, but it's been, it's been, how long has it been, Chris? Three hours and two minutes. Nice. How, did you think this was a successful show? That seems uh, sarcastic. Yes, I do. No, it's not. Would you successful show? I, I do believe it was a successful show. I did. I, like, I was trying to actually think. It's like, do I want to talk more about Looper or this and that? But I think we brought up all the good points and at least emotionally conveyed the message that all three of these films are things that people should be 
paying attention to. And the For fact sure. that we think about them in combination is actually a really good thing. It was actually as, as an exercise to do, it was great watching all three of these films mm-hmm. as part of a series compared to just watching them individually and enjoying them because they're like, the, the the sequence of events makes sense right well and also get like leveraging these movies against each other and seeing their strengths and weaknesses reveals all sorts of other stuff that we wanted to talk about like right. i think that that's what's really powerful because like looper really wraps it up well by saying like this is actually using the history of movies against itself to make something new yeah and that's that's pretty wild because that's ultimately what we ended up talking about like wholesale so i think that's that's really quite excellent also i really want to if I'm going to applaud anyone, it's not the plumber. It's going to be Chris today for referring to himself as a filmmaker, which I yeah, applaud. I heard that earlier. <laughs> Holy moly! That That's right. First time that is a right? very I heard positive and good thing to hear. That makes me very happy, very very proud. To be I guess I did say that, didn't I? Yeah, <laughs> we we are we are three filmmakers here, and three yeah. creatives, and uh, that's what that's why we're invested in this kind of shit it's not just because we like talking movies like yeah. we're all very energetically involved in this stuff i'll just put it this way i don't just work for a software company mm-hmm. 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 i like the sound of that that makes me quite psyched for you excellent yeah. nice job okay. everybody well job excellent <laughs> all right uh thank you guys so much for joining us i yeah, really it appreciate really it this people came this... aboard this was great. This was great. Uh, yeah, Rich, uh, thanks for joining us, man. That's really nice to see your name in the in the chat. That was really great. Yeah, everybody absolutely. in chat, awesome, Monkey Man, all Alan Schneller, everybody. The, don't uh, be the, shy the to uh, don't be shy to subscribe to us if you'd like this, and if you'd like to be part of the conversation, uh, and, uh, keep being part of it, and don't be shy to share us with people so they can also be part of it and let people know it's like, hey, you know what, I did this. I'd love to like tell people about it and, and enjoy it because you know I know and also. Don't be shy to say, let Eric talk, you know? Let Eric talk. God damn it, Dan. That's a great t-shirt right there. (laughs) Let Eric talk. (laughs) Let Eric talk. It's true. I agree. I don't talk a lot. I don't live up to it, but I agree with it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I, I, yeah. Oh, Anthony, thank you for the, uh, the little MG sweetness right there. That's a perfect little icon for us. Yes. And it reminds you. us that we have to come up with um, special symbols for you guys that have, uh, uh, that have uh, uh, subscribed to us because I think we can actually give you little pingable works of art. Right. Yeah, thing. Oh, yeah. I forgot to say it. If you guys subscribe to us and you are a subscriber to the uh, channel, uh, Eric draws a lot uh, constantly mm-hmm. and does sketches. And we will give you a piece of art that Eric has drawn uh, uh, for you guys. So uh, as, as a thank you for subscribing. And that will be uh, we'll just put it in the mail. And I think um, Jay last week joined us. Uh, and we sent him a piece uh, as well. So that was fun. I think Did next week, it? next week, we are going to try to do a watch party. Watch party. Watch yes. party. We have a Excited. few things on the we few things on the list. If you guys don't know what the watch party is, which is different than this, it is where we actually watch a movie and comment on a movie. Those are not part of the podcast. Those are a live experience only. Yep, quite entertaining. Right. Yep, because and the reason that they have to be a live experience because the way that they work is that you have to have an Amazon Prime account to be part of it, 
or although we've found a way to work around it for those of you who don't have Amazon Prime, and we'll get to that point next week. But basically, we watch a movie and we all comment, think Mystery Science 3000, but Martini Giant style, really. Yeah, it, and we're, like, we're pretty funny, but chat is phenomenally funny. Chat, chat, <laughs> chat is golden. Chat is pure gold. And so, uh, uh, there's, so there's regulars think, like McMonkey Man who freshen that situation quite yeah. quite. Right, so, very, so, very so, if you would like to be a part of uh, uh, next week, and uh, please let us know uh, what you'd like to uh, like to watch. So, in order for a movie to qualify for a good Martini Giant watch party, it has to number one, it has to be available Amazon Prime free, not part of the IMDb free screening, whatever. It yeah, no, no sub subscription stuff. Like it's no, no, yeah, not part of like it has a little marker on the side says Prime. Yeah, yeah, That's no, it. it has to actually be a Prime thing that we watch, right. and that is uh, part of the requirement. The second requirement, it has to be a movie that we are able to talk over, either because it's a terrible film. Or right. because it is a film that we've seen a million times and we don't we know the dialogue anyway, or because it just fits that criteria in general, where talking over it would actually work. So if it's a, you know not going to do Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy, that's the example <laughs> I always use, but more like RoboCop is actually a good example of something that works. And equally then, great film, but more appropriate that we more appropriate. For <laughs> so anyway, so 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 thinking that along those lines, and we would do a great watch party. And they're a lot of fun. And I think that's what we're going to do next week. So if you have an idea of those, please let us know what you'd like us to do. You can always uh, email us is a good way to do it. That is podcast at martinigiant.com. You can tweet at us, which is at martinigiant, or you can reach us on any of the other social networks that we sometimes reach out to, such as Facebook, which is at martinigiant. Uh, and uh, our Instagram is martini underscore giant. And our, right. obviously, if you're on, you're already on Twitch. If you're following us here, it is also martini underscore giant. Uh, but yeah, we'd love to have you on there uh, and do that. So, uh, but we do have some ideas on that. And let us know what, how we're doing. That's another thing. You know, yes, put us please. out there, share, share us with your friends and everything else. And if you need a kitten, uh, we have kittens available. Uh, just tweet Multiple us kittens. Mar Martini Giant. Uh, Dan has uh, more than enough kittens to give away to yes, general a public. bushel of kittens, I think. A bushel uh, of kittens. Yeah. Many uh, kilos yeah. of kittens. Yeah, they're, that's they're all one. there. And if you need a chihuahua, there are uh, there is one a very loud one available behind Eric, and he's also <laughs> <Apparently> uh, <so. laughs> available for you. So oh, yeah, and also not no, Shasha, forget... I believe that, no, was, that Lucifer, was Lucifer. Was... That was yeah, Lucy, yeah. Lucifer. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and Lucy and... doesn't bark. No, yeah. Shasha yeah, does not very, bark. Very sweet, very sweet. Very and sweet uh, one last look: go to the Martini Giant store, martinigiant.com. Yeah. Check out this stuff; it's amazing. Love it. Yes. Yep. Yep. Uh, and we also have t-shirts uh, that are great. And I think that I'm actually going to, uh, Jay bought a couple of those t-shirts with, with, uh, yeah. with the, the astronaut people on them uh, last week. And I'm actually kind of jealous. I may actually buy some Martini Giant astronauts. I'll put some new designs up too, guys. But uh, did everybody get their drawings or are they missing drawings? So yeah, if you, if uh, I don't know if Jay got them, but we'll have to message him and see if he got it. And, and, and you, you mailed it to him, right? Based on yep. it. Yeah, okay. Cool. There we are. And uh, right. McMonkey Man wants to inform us just before we close the podcast that McMonkey Man is a registered trademark of Todd, formerly of, of, from the uh, Shaughnessy family of companies. So we have to make sure that we put that at the end of this podcast. Right. Uh, just saying that uh, we are, we, we, before we get all Disneyfied, McMonkey Man is here to support us, as always. Consistently. Thank you. 
<laughs> yeah, we appreciate it. We appreciate all of our fans and please continue to be part of the conversation, uh, which is always a lot of fun. And all of our special guests, including Rich, who joined us, did a great deal of conversation with us. It was cool to see. Uh, and there's a lot of new people on here. I know Anthony was on there. Uh, Alessio, uh, Judge Judy Slayer. I really want to know who Judge uh, Judy dude, Slayer that, is. I, I, don't, I don't know, but that, that is a killer name. That's one of the best handles and I've ever in a while. Salia with three A's is also a new uh, person follower on there as well. Uh, <laughs> okay, you guys ready to do this? Let's do it. Ready to do it, baby. All right, drink. Talk. Drink. Drink.